Hello, friends, and welcome to the 36th episode of Snap Judgments. As always, I'm Roy Rogers, and joining me today is my friend and yours, the one and only Aaron Pulse Glazer. Aaron, how are you on this wonderfully balmy winter afternoon here on the East Coast of the United States of America? Roy, I'm generally doing great, but you know the listeners can't see when you do air quotes right yes but i but i've been told i do it in my voice when i do air quotes <laughs> it's it pretty noticeable all right i've been told that my connotation and uh what's the other word i'm looking for that's escaping me right now intonation intonation there we go thank you my friend i'm very tired i lectured for four hours today um is very very uh noticeable when i'm being sarcastic or air quoting, as one might say. But my specific pathologies and speech patterns are not why our loyal listeners and loyal viewers are on this show or listening to this show. They are on here for you, of course, my friend, Pulse yeah. Glazer, but also they are here for our special guests. Who is joining us today for this amazing episode of Snap Judgments? We will begin with my Marvel Snap Zone compatriot, the king of all deck guides. It is Sohe. How you doing? Amazing. It's a pleasure to be here finally after many people uh, on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, for Mm -hmm. sure. So it's a pleasure for me and it's my first time on an English show. So it's a pleasure for me being here. And thank you so much for inviting me. Thanks. And how could our friends find you if they wanted to subscribe to your social medias? It's boy ibnida. That means I'm boy in Korean. <laughs> it's boy ibnida on Twitch, on Twitter, on Instagram, and basically everywhere else. Mm-hmm. So it's spelled bohem, like bohemian, bohem, uh, and ida, I believe, right? I am n i d a. Yeah, boy yeah. ibnida. <laughs> there you go. All right, we are also joined by my recent partner in tournament making bliss it is snap tactics himself how you doing gunny i am doing fantastic thank you for having me on today i'm so excited to hang out with you three uh you know people that put put snap uh marvel snap zone together like such a such an honor to be here amongst amongst you a pleasure and how could our friends find you uh, probably three places to find me the most. One would be on YouTube with my new YouTube channel, Snap Tactics with Gunny T. You could find me at Snap Tactics dash six one seven six. Over on X, you could find me at at Gunny T. And then I am also very active on several Discords, to include one that we will be talking about later. Cool. cool. All right. Well, loyal listeners and loyal viewers, we have a jam-packed episode. Uh, One of our perennial favorite ones, which is, of course, a look back at the January season and a look forward to the February, the abortive short February season. But before we do that, I just need to remind you all where we, or excuse me, where you can engage with us. 
and I'm going to quickly delete these social medias that Glazer no longer uses so I don't read them. All right. First <laughs> and foremost, we are on Elon Musk's hell site, Twitter, at SnapJudgeCast. And we are also so incredibly grateful to be the official podcasting partner of Marvel Snap Zone, which means we are very, very active on their Discord. And by we, I mean Pulse Glazer over there. Uh, he is in there every day answering your questions, taking your comments, helping improve the Marvel Snap Zone Discord. But you know what would improve it even more is if all of our loyal listeners and loyal viewers were to go and join the Discord. It is, again, the best large Discord in all of Marvel Snap. So please head over there. Join the link to join is in the show notes of this episode. It is in the uh, description of the episode on YouTube and our friendly neighborhood pod catchers. We are Somewhere in our email, going to be able to find your messages if you email us at snapjudgmentspodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, we have two incredibly important ways for you to engage with us. The first is at snapjudgmentspod, our YouTube channel, where each and every day, except for Saturdays and sometimes multiple multiple times a day in each week Aaron is out there producing brand new Marvel Snap Zone content Aaron if our loyal listeners were to become loyal viewers of our YouTube channel what would they find on the YouTube right now so new patch plus new season plus two cards releasing means that I don't get to sleep anymore uh so there's just ridiculously long videos every single weekday uh, we're covering everything. We've covered, I think, like four or five bundles this week. Two new cards with like well over 20 decks each, I think, at this point. Just an absolute crap ton of content. I think that should be our new logo. Snap Judgments, where you can get a crap ton of content. It is true, it's true. And friends, as you see there, Glazer is making that crap load of content. And do you know what that leads to? Burnout. Do you know what is the ultimate bomb for burnout? Money! And the best way to prevent this burnout from happening is for you to support us on Patreon. All right. Our Patreon, which is Snap Judgments. Just pay, just Snap Judgments. Patreon.com slash Snap Judgments. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Is there, you can do there, support the show. The money goes all to Aaron to make sure that he keeps doing these awesome content. I was going to say week in and week out like the show is, but actually day in and day out. But because Aaron really does want to burn out. He's not taking all that money for himself. He is giving it back to the community in the Snap Judgments League. It starts one month from now, March 2nd. And Aaron, what is the Snap Judgments League? Why should our loyal listeners and loyal viewers sign up uh, beginning in the middle of this glorious, glorious romantic month? What would they get? I'm actually going to have Gunny tell us about it. He is oh. doing so much of the organization, and I talk about this every day. It's his okay. turn. Yeah, I'm ready. So the Snap Judgments League is a small brainchild that came from a question Glazer gave to me. Glazer said uh, he knows that I'm a Magic the Gathering judge, and I have been so for about a decade. So he asked me if I had any ideas for tournaments. So I was like, oh, 
you know, I got some ideas. One was crazy. He threw it out the window immediately. I was talking about like NFL weekend style, big player players playing against each other. But my smaller idea was a league. And if you don't know what a league is, it's a, a longer tournament. So instead of giving up one entire day um, to play your matches and get up to top four and then eventually become the champion, um, you're going to give up one game per week. So there's going to be four rounds. We played over four weeks uh, after those four rounds are completed. Um, players will then compete for the top position in uh, a pod of 32 players. There's going to be multiple pods. So don't worry. Uh, as many Glazer thinks that we're going to get 200. Let's make it up to 200. I want to see that. Uh, so they'll compete and then eventually we'll pull all the pod winners together and those will compete to become our ultimate champion of the snap judgments league. I'm very excited so just, about it. Just for the um, record. The Patreon right now is in at 121 members. Oh my so like we're almost there. But continue. It's it's just gonna be amazing. So um through my experience, I linked up with a group called Eminence Gaming. Uh and they have an uh, a web app called Top Deck Top gg so any magic the gathering players out there that have used this it's so user friendly um glazer knows this because i uh, constantly talk to him but i am i have to be organized i wrote an entire document that's i don't know a few pages long about how we were going to put this league together um and i in, in my statement about how we're going to do this I made sure that uh, I put down that I wanted to reduce the stress on my players and I wanted to reduce friction to gameplay and make sure that it's flexible around people's lives. I mean, I'm, I'm a dad, full time job. I don't have time to just give up an entire day. So I want this to fit into your schedule. Now, that's how we're going to play here. Here's where I think the best selling point of this event is. There are over 55 Big names. If if you're if you're listening and, to this content, and by which he literally means fifty six. Just okay. <laughs> so if Sorry. you're listening to this content, then you probably know some of these big names. Uh, he he lists them off every day. We got a couple up right here. We got Shuri Enjoyer, Heller Enjoyer, Husky Puppies. But, you know, we got Lauren. Whatever. Like I could go on and on. There's there's so all many the great enjoyers people. are going to be all in the enjoyers are coming. Like, uh, recently, we just we linked have up with the Italian team in. or with the Italian group. So it's going to be phenomenal. And if you're thinking to yourself, why, why, you know, I can't join this thing. I'm going to lose and get my butt kicked. So what? For one thing, you just might be better than you think you are. And for the second thing, you, how we are going to do this is you're going to be messaging somebody in a private message and linking up with them to play your game. So that means you may get time to have a personal conversation with someone like Lambie. When else do you get that opportunity? That is outrageous for $1. I mean, I'm just I'm floored. I want to win so I can be up in the top brackets with those people just so I get a chance to talk to them. It's so exciting. Uh, and I'm, I'm I think this is going to be great. Um, Glazer has talked about this before, but I can't wait till this becomes a recurring thing. And in, in across the community, people are just excited about it. They're building content based on what decks to bring this week or what decks they used last week. We're showing videos of the top games being played against each other. We're gonna we're gonna pull a, a zeros to hero story with someone we've never heard of that takes down the biggest names in the community. It's gonna be fantastic and I cannot wait to bring this to you. So if you haven't, stop over the Patreon. That will give you access and you can find it very easily to our Snap Judgments League Discord. Uh, I would like a quick shout out to Models, who is doing a fantastic job reducing that stress I talked about and making things seamless. And that Discord is top notch. 
So I, I don't know. I don't know what else I got to say. I'm just, I'm ready for it. I'm ready to do it. We're running a, a, a test turn, a test round starting this coming up week. And it, it's just going to, it's going to be amazing. Yeah, it's an absolutely unique experience while lots of other games, uh, getting mentioned Magic, have tournament series, have things. But I think there are very few other sort of leagues in these sort of online games that give you access to both competitive play and some of the top personalities. Like everyone will have an equal chance to play against Lambie, whether you are a complete scrub or myself, because the pods are going to be entirely randomized. So it is a really, really cool experience to both play Snap at the highest level and get an opportunity to possibly interact with other cool normie members of the community, but also some of those wonderful, wonderful big names and content creators, including many past guests of the show. Last week we had Felicity on. She will be in the league um, and Tucker's going to be in the league too, right? They were both our guests mm-hmm. last time, Glazer. Bohe's so, going to be in the league. Bohe's going to be in the league. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome time. And all of that is all available to you for just $1 a month to the Snap Judgments. Uh, I got to say Discord, but it's Patreon is what it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is really, really exciting sure we will endlessly talk about this over the coming weeks and months so it's probably best for us to move on but just remind folks that you should definitely subscribe at uh, patreon.com slash snap judgments all right so topics of the week we're gonna talk about review the patch preview to the new season and talk a little bit about data mines that are not supposed to exist anymore so let's move forward all right, last season card review. I'm going to throw it to Bohe here. You can talk about all six of these c- cards. Uh, Scar, Kalira, or however you say her name. Hercules, Beak, whatever. I don't care. It's a made-up <laughs> name. Um, I, Grandmaster and Beta Ray Bill. You can talk about all of them, none of them, a few of them, whatever itches your brain, my friend. Get your brain chemicals going, Bohe. Okay, let's see. I'm going to use this space to talk about Hercules. I think like most uh, of the players and content creators that I know think that Hercules is probably the worst card of the month. And I can be like more in disagree with everybody. In fact, when I see that Hercules get a buff like from uh, 4.6 to 4.7, I think it was like an unnecessary buff because I was like playing um, the deck that we call in Latin America Kentucky Fried Chicken that is the Phoenix uh, deck so the the Phoenix deck with multiple man etc and human torch it was like a blast for me it was like extremely uh, strong like a super fun deck uh, really challenging to play with a high ceiling of skill etc and I don't know, basically all the people say that Hercules doesn't work and it's like a bad card, etc. But I've been like having a blast of fun with the card. And I think like the Phoenix Force deck like will be like uh, it's not it's like not the same playing without Hercules on turn four or turn five, you know. So I don't know, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that Hercules is a good card, but in my mind is probably not the worst card of the month. I mean, I don't think it's 
Oh, it's. I think Miak is the worst card of the month, but I think Hercules is the second worst. I don't think either one is a bad card, though. I think they're like fine cards, right? Like yeah. they're they're just good. They fit into things. Yeah, but for example, I was playing a lot of Hercules and a lot of Beta Rayville, and I think like both cards are fun. And Beta Rayville is like bringing up back the old Logjaw deck without Thanos, etc. Mm-hmm. And it's a good thing, like be playing the old uh, Thor uh, list. But I don't know, like power level wise, I think Hercules is much better, you know, because really, thanks, yeah, because thanks to Hercules, you can like have a new approach with the Phoenix Force deck where you play like Living Tribunal, mm-hmm. and instead of going like with uh, the multiple man combo, you made like a hundred and fourteen or is hundred and eighteen Human Torch on turn six. That with the living tribunal is like thirty four or thirty five points in every location, so I think that's extremely powerful. You know, like having the ability to put points in every location, including like the restrictive ones. I don't know. It's something that better reveal like will probably uh, can do. Hmm. Fair enough. Fair enough. But if you just play Odin and Beta Ray Bill, you do have a twenty four power card. Yeah, but uh, the sixth turn is like going to be taken by Odin, and if you are not like winning a second lane, like it's going to be probably a hard game. So in the Phoenix Four deck with Hercules, if you are like playing um, the Human Torch combo instead of the Multiple Man, if you know that your opponent doesn't have Hitmonger, uh, I don't know. It's like probably like playing the the ongoing Tribunal deck. You know that is a really good mm-hmm. deck right now. In, uh, with the Omega Red both now, it's like going to be m- better even. So I think like probably Living Tribunal is a card. I, I know it's not a card like we are like discussing right now, mm-hmm. but I think like Living Tribunal is a very powerful card that is like giving you the chance to fight in really hard locations with many decks can. And now that the card is like being played in many other decks, like ongoing Tribunal, uh, Hela, uh, the Hercules Phoenix Force with the Human Torch, etc. I think that is like what makes Hercules a better card than Beta Ray Bill. Works for me. Mm-hmm. Got Oh, any oh, thoughts God. about any of these cards? Oh man, I do I ever? Which one am I going to talk about, Glazer? Uh oh God, go ahead. It's going to be Scar. Come on, it's got to be Scar. So I I wouldn't say it's a claim to fame, but uh, I made a deck called Big Dumb Idiots. Um, And there's a couple of YouTube big names out there (laughs) that ended up playing it to varying success. But everyone that has played it has agreed that the deck is fun. Um, I am a Timmy at heart. I love slamming down some big cards and Scar does it for us. Uh, I think my favorite thing about Scar, and, and one thing I think is slightly overlooked, is a 411 is great stats. And it's very easy to do. So I think a lot of people were trying to break it. Big Dumb Idiots does kind of break it, like constantly getting a two power Scar, which is just bonkers. Um, but really, if you're playing a 411 and we could find a deck that does that well, then you're you're already above rate. Uh, my favorite combo of that deck right now is just it's a three card combo that you could even slide whatever else you want to in there. Um, but it is Ronin on turn five and then a turn six Scar and Maximus. 
It's such a powerful play. You're putting 21 points of power spread throughout the board in one turn. And it just, it's kind of insane. The decks worked really well for me. I wouldn't say it's, you know, the the most meta thing out there, but I, I had so much fun playing with Scar this month. Um, and, and really the surprise factor it gives. Nobody's expecting for 17 points to randomly go into a lane. So those are your favorite cards. Are for both of you, uh Gunny first then Bohe. Are either of these the best card of the month? What's the best card of the month? I mean, it's probably Kyra. <laughs> right? Bohe, it's just agree? not exciting. Nobody wants to talk about Kyra. Wait. Bohe, do you agree? Disagree? Muted, sir. Ah, got it. Yeah, sorry. I, I was muted. I was yeah. saying that it's a really hard question, but I'm going to disagree because even if Kayera is an amazing card, probably Grandmaster is the best card of the, of the month. Now, do you say that as the best card of the month because of its future potential or because of how it's performing currently? That is, that is a reason, you know, that kind of card when you like, now the game has something close like 350 cards, something yeah. like that. And we have like more than 150 cards with unrevealed effects. Yep. So I think we haven't seen like, I don't know, maybe less than 20 or 30% of the good decks with Grandmaster. But in now, in, in the current state of the meta, I think that probably Grandmaster is doing an amazing uh, job in destroy decks mm-hmm. yeah and Kayera is i think is an amazing card but it's more or less a meta dependent card you know so you have to be playing like big guys or a lot of uh, one cost cards and you like uh, probably if you uh, see a meta game with Sangshi or killmonger are not there you know you you can like probably say oh maybe i can take out Kayera for a couple of games or whatever sure. and grandmaster in my mind it's right now like a core card for a destruction deck even in many times taking the place of nico minoru so Kyra does have one use that everyone always overlooks uh her location use is extremely yeah. powerful. Yeah, sure. It's extremely underrated. I think that that keeps it above Grandmaster. Grandmaster is my favorite card of the month, and I think probably the second best card of the month, in my opinion. But Kyra's location ability and um, Grandmaster's location weakness <laughs> combine for me to put in Kyra first, because that damn rickety bridge mm-hmm. is an auto-win for Kyra, right? Mm-hmm. And like, if I can win that location with a squirrel or whatever nonsense, reasonably often with Kyra, that the value of that in a lot of games is that that Death's Domain and um, the plus two energy one, whatever it's called, um, are all fairly common locations, right? There's three distinct locations that directly benefit you running Kyra, and because of that, I think I have Kyra first. And while all three of those locations really like obviously depending on location grandmaster is really bad and stuff like that so given that difference i think that kara is still ahead yeah probably it's uh, a case similar to luke cage you know like the old Mm -hmm. luke cage that is now the new luke cage with a a global effect uh, working again it's like Luke Cage was strong and is strong right now because just having Luke Cage make you win many locations single-handedly, you know, like Jorunheim, mm-hmm. Necrosha, uh, Negative Zone, etc., etc., etc. So Kajira have 
like that kind of situation, but you have to have like a one or six cost card to make that effect work. It's not like mm-hmm. just I have Lukage and I'm already one negative zone, for example. Sure, but, but if, if you're running Kara, you're running ones and yeah, sixes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. <laughs> for sure. I wonder if I might have a, a different perspective on Grandmaster because I was main decking Cosmo for the past month. Yeah, that'll do it. Mm-hmm. Like center lane Cosmo is just really, really good into Grandmaster. Yeah. You're the last person playing Cosmo in Marvel Snap. Yeah. All right, Roy, any thoughts about any of these cards? Uh, I'm going to continue my unpopular opinion that I, while I do agree Grandmaster is probably inarguably the card with the most upside. I generally did not like this month at all. I don't find any of these cards super appealing or super interesting. Maybe Grandmaster when like he's really doing broken things, I will really enjoy. But just like this was one of the least interesting months recently. Um, And definitely none of these cards made me like jump up and buy them. Um, Except for Meek, but Meek I bought mostly because of the cards that are going to be coming out of this month. Uh, I'm very excited to see what direction uh, Discard goes, and I want to have access to all the tools that could possibly go in the deck. So yeah, I I mean, I enjoyed Hercules as a fun card. He's particularly fun in the mirrors, uh, where Hercules is punching people around all the time. But I found this to be kind of a really boring month. Um, It started with a pair of boring mid-range cards, and ended with a boring mid-range card. So for me, this was one of the least appealing months in Marvel Snap after I think of two pretty banger months uh, of uh, November and December for me um, of sort of high interest in the game and sort of high engagement with the new card releases. So, But I did already buy Supergiant, so we'll talk about the February season shortly (laughs) and my engagement uh, with that. So... uh, Let's dig in real quick with an overview of competitive play here. There's lots going on. Uh, We'll start with Gunny here. If you want to talk about your ladder experience to infinite, if you did hit infinite, uh, the infinite ladder, if you experienced that, conquest, anything else about gameplay, you can, as always, with this segment, you can hit any, all, or really none of these. Uh, It's all on you. But how did competitive play shape up for you? in January 2024. Man, this was an exciting month for me. Um, So I've been playing for now about five and a half months. I joined the last week of Dakin season, um, and I finished my Series 3 grind probably right at the end of November. Um, So this is the first time I've been Series 3. I was able to hit Infinite every month before then, which isn't the hardest thing in the world. You're paired up against people with the same collection level. But this month, I finally, you know, had full access to uh to all the cards and 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 whatnot uh and it was it was really fun um i had set myself progressive challenges i wanted to make top 10k i think in november and i did it i wanted to make top 1k in december and i did it and i wanted to make top 500 this month and i did it i was able to do it with that deck that i had spoke of that i made and it was just it was very exciting for me a very exciting time to be a player uh all these things are very fresh to me Uh, i'm fairly new to this space so there's a lot of in, enfranchised players that I don't know if they still have this amount of excitement about doing these things that I'm doing right now. Um, 
so it's just, it's been a it's been a great journey. Uh, my ladder climb was pretty great. I was able to do it in about uh, less than a week, maybe five days or so. Um, after ladder, I was just continually climbing up. I got into the top thousand pretty easily, and really um, just from listening to a bunch of other content creators and, and some of the tips I had come up with, I was able to make it to top 500 pretty easily, um, you know, speaking about doing it for the first time. So that was great. Now, Conquest, on the other hand, I have still yet to get an infinite border. It's nothing, something I've been focused on, but I think that might be a challenge I'm going to take myself on this month. Okay. Um, this month, I almost reach uh, 8,000 snap points. Uh, my goal for February is going to be 800, and, uh, no, 8,500. But um, I was playing a lot of, of uh, junk uh, lately. On December, I reached Infinite with the Kang uh, junk list that you <laughs> upload on YouTube. Uh, and now... Yeah, it's it's an amazing list. Was one one of my I don't know maybe one of the decks that I've been like most proud in in the last months, and that was just a, a decision I make because uh, the people for uh, a Spanish podcast like uh, made a challenge with me for like reaching infinite using Kang. And I like start playing Kang uh, in many different shells, you know, like on Silver Surfer and Junk and in any deck that had like a Frizzlaw. And after reaching that Junk list, everything was incredibly easy. I don't know, I reached uh, Infinite in less than 50 games. And then on January, I made a 73 to the 93 road with the same deck. I don't remember why I changed during like the last uh, 10 levels, but it was like an amazing journey. And then um, I was invited to another Spanish podcast that is like with many of the best Spanish uh, players. And many of them are like top 100, uh, top 50 or something like that. So that motivated myself a lot, like to grind harder every single day. So... I put myself like the goal to reach uh, 8,000 points and I almost made it. And this month I'm going to try to hit um, 8,500. So I was playing extremely serious every single day. And I don't know, maybe an infinite feels, I don't know, maybe a little bit different, like playing um, the 273 to 93. I used to say it's something like the people play in a more um, educated way. I don't know. It's, it's really amazing how you made uh, some snaps on turn two or turn three, busted on like uh, locations or something like that, like putting some pressure on your opponents and many, many opponents like just retreat. And you mostly don't see that on 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 like I don't know seventies, eighties before infinite, you know, every every single player like try to play every single game uh, to turn six, etc. So it's like an amazing experience like to be playing on top one thousand. Cool. Uh I had infinite in my usual I don't know, two, three days, whatever it is. Basically, uh as soon as the hot location goes away, either on like Friday mm -hmm. or Saturday, I decided to hit infinite. So I did. I did it with bounce. It was not difficult this month. Bounce is good. 
Bounce is fun, and bots are really bad against bounce, so you get a lot of gatekeepers. Um, I barely played Infinite Ladder. One day, uh, I chronicled on our, well, on the part of the Discord we used to hang out at, my fall from my usual 5,000 to like 16, 17,000 as I made every wrong choice and listened to Gunna yell at me and be like, stop playing. I was like, no. I'm going to make every wrong decision all night and just lose rank. And I did. And I finished at like 20,000 and who cares? Um, I'll finish probably in the general 5,000 range again. At some point, if I ever don't do daily videos, I'll focus on a climb. But the time that I would be like grinding is time for like developing content. So it's just not going to happen. Um, Conquest is fine. I didn't play a ton. I took a hella deck to game five. Um, it's a stand. It's like standard Hella Lockjaw uh, Black Knight deck that runs Kyra and stuff. I took it to the last game of Infinity Conquest. I was up three cubes to one in a mirror match at the end, and I lost because it's Hella, and sometimes Hella just <laughs> loses you games, especially in mirror matches. And whatever. Um, the only other thing I want to say about gameplay is this is probably the healthiest the game has been since August. Mm-hmm. Um, as soon as Blob was nerfed in the middle of last season, we ended up in a really good place where I, like, I genuinely, if you um, ask me what the best deck is right now, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. There's like six decks I think it could be, and there's like another twelve that, like, on the right day can beat any of those six decks. Mm-hmm. So that basically never happens. But when it does, it's really, really fun. And it makes the game a lot more fun because like, you know, you're not just going to run into the same thing over and over again. By the way, if I had to pick a best deck right now, I think it's actually the Grandmaster Destroy. Hmm. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about the big changes. Uh, I'll throw this to Bohe to start us off. Big kind of changes. We aren't getting particularly bundled data mines going forward. There's the return of in-game events and store events uh, mm-hmm. still continue to be ongoing. And now there are regular Twitch drops. Bohe, my friend, what do you think of these three major changes or any other piece of news, gossip, tea, whatever that you want to discuss with us for our loyal listeners and loyal viewers. I think like we've at the end get what we deserve with the data mines. I think like the second dinner decision about the data mines was something like mm, was like push to to be in that way because how the people react to the changes to the to the bundles, etc. And I don't know, as an all-time gacha player that likes to plan all the investment with your in-game resources, you know, like if you're playing a gacha and you like see a new banner with a new character or a new weapon or whatever, you say like, okay, I'm going to skip this banner. I'm going to not invest in this one. And in two months, I'm going to do this. And and it's like something like incredible good for for your... um, for your game, you know, like for your in-game resources, but we used to have that on Marvel Snap in some way, even if the, some bundles changes, you know. But many people, like I don't know, say a lot of things on Twitter, on on second dinner uh, accounts, etc. Like saying, like 
you change the the bundles and and you are like uh, making bad decisions, etc. But I don't know. Maybe most of the time I try to say to the people on my on my stream that. Second dinner didn't say anything, you know, like we, we get the information for uh, websites that data mine the game, etc. And that info is like never a statement from second dinner part, you know, like saying I'm going to sell this bundle, like, I don't know, 20 bucks. And I don't know, maybe it's better in this way because it's, I don't know, maybe more exciting to to... To see what's coming, you know, like a big surprise, and, and maybe, for example, the last three bundles was like buffered in a way, you know, like better than how it was set in the data mines. So maybe it's better in that way, and that's like general terms my my opinion. No? And I don't know in about the Twitch drops. I think it's like an amazing decision, like from Second Dinner. Because as a daily basis streamer on Twitch, the numbers really, really, really uh, get higher when when there are drops. And I think that exposing the game to more public is like uh, better for every one of us. Gunny? I think from the data mine standpoint, uh, obviously planning is good. Uh, money can be tight, and it's it's nice to be able to plan where you're going to spend it. I know you've spoken before, Glazer, about how it just makes you spend less, which mm-hmm. isn't necessarily a bad thing. Maybe it'll make more people spend less. But mm-hmm. I want to focus on one of the positives. So there's not very many, but one of the positives that might come from data mines, and that's the excitement that we're all going to be able to have when something comes out, something new and fresh comes out and, and we get to look on uh, Marvel snap zone and see if this is a good bundle and wait for the, the, the video content of telling me like, Hey, this one it's historically better than the ones in the future. Or maybe this one isn't the one to get. I think there's a bit of an excitement that we can all get as players when this new content comes out. Cause right now we're, we're going to be talking later about cards that aren't coming out for a few months. Right. But how much cooler is that release video going to be whenever we're seeing the cards for the first time, right? Hmm. Everybody's seeing it together. We're breaking down the video. It, it, I think there's some excitement to be had there. It's not all negative. Obviously, planning sucks. I, I wish that I could plan better. Um, but from a non-planning aspect, it seems like a really cool way to engage as a community and talk about these things as they're fresh and new and coming out in a short amount of time. Uh, and then the other stuff with the the Twitch drops, I think Bohe hit the nail on the head there. Is you know it, it's really good for the community. I don't know how good it is for the streamers. <laughs> they uh, they they always say that it's a great time and they they're getting a lot of viewers, but it, it is a bit of a drag on them. So I don't know how how much longevity they'll be able to have with streaming as as frequently to get these Twitch drops. But that's good. And then in game events are are always good. They're, they should be giving more stuff away. I think. Um, so yeah, that, that's kind of my my point and what I thought about. So I completely and utterly beyond hate that there are no more data mines. I've spent no money on the game or next to no money on the game for me as I bought like 10,000 season passes for people. But I've spent like no money on myself in the game, like almost at all since this change. Um, I have no interest in... Um. I have no real interest in trying to figure out how to budget for my life. And like I budget for all the season passes I give away, I budget for all the other stuff. 
and like and then it's just like i would like to be able to say i'm gonna spend x amount right but like let's say that x amount is 50 bucks and i'm willing to go above it for certain things well the, at the beginning of the month a bundle comes up for 50 bucks and i'm like well maybe i can buy that but now i don't know if something i might want more is coming right i don't even know if a variant i want more is coming so unless i really want that variant i'm skipping it now later in the month it comes up right and like now they released a bundle that's worse than what they released in the beginning of the month, but it was the beginning of the month bundle is not still available. So now I'm not buying that later bundle because what happened earlier is gone. And like, so I'm spending like, I'm still, again, I'm doing the giveaways. I'm still spending on season passes, but outside of that, I, and like, I'm still buying variants because they're still releasing hips, but short of that, I'm barely spending anything. And I was spending a lot on basically like every bundle before when I could like plan it and figure out which ones I wanted and which ones I didn't want. So like, I don't know how many people are like me, but this is actively hurting my enjoyment, but much, 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 much more because all that's cosmetic and cosmetics are ultimately an extra thing. Not, not like the way you play the game, right? Like you don't get extra bonus from having that cool Deadpool alt art. You get extra power from having, better cards right and they release better cards in spotlight caches and not telling us when cards are coming to spotlight caches and they basically never ever tell us when cards are coming back to spotlight caches right so not telling us when they're coming to spotlight caches is extraordinarily frustrating um especially like it's not a big deal for me none of this is going to affect me i've got a bajillion tokens and a bajillion um collectors whatever they're called spotlight reserves and everything else but if you're in the middle of series three and you're just trying to build a coherent deck, like all you want is to build a coherent deck, not being able to plan like for what cards you need to build a coherent deck and just sort of opening and hoping for the best is a terrible strategy. And it's going to lead you to being more frustrated in the game over time. It'll be cool for a day when you go, oh my God, new cards. But then you go, oh no, I really need that card for this deck. It's the only thing I have pieces for. They just, they're releasing. Let's say you like started building toward discard, right? And you really, really, really want to play. Uh, now you suddenly want Proxima. And Proxima is going to be way more important for discard than Mia is, right? But if you didn't know that um, Proxima was coming out and you just opened for Mia. Because you were trying to build toward a discard deck. Now you're screwed, right? You have like a month and you better like hope you can save up enough spotlight keys to get it. Or you can spend money. But like, hey, some people are going to just spend the money. But a lot more people, at least it sure seems like, are just going to be like, Ugh, I guess I'm not playing this anymore. And that upsets me. Um, Our friends on the Discord, like I've seen people leave the game from our Discord multiple times. Um, where they're just like, hey, I'm done. Thank you. I had a really good time, but I'm done with this game. They did. They made X decision, Y decision, and I don't want to deal with this. And one of our friends who's most invested, our um, Snap Judgments League moderator, was like, I don't know if I'm going to keep playing with this decision. And that's terrible. And like, look, I don't want data mines. I don't give a shit if you don't do data mines. Communicate with us like adults. You are a grown, big person company communicate with your player base like people who deserve to be treated with some kind of respect and deserve to be able to make good decisions. And that they won't do that is extraordinarily frustrating and extraordinarily disheartening. And I'm going to be saying this as much as humanly possible until I get some kind of response from them. Yeah. Anyone? 
that, I mean, that's you bring up very fantastic points, Glazer. Um, you know, it it does. It could be a big impact on people. Um, I try to look for the positive in things. <laughs> there's a, there's a lot of negativity that, that always weighs us down. So I at least try to find something something good to think of. But you're right; all those points are are very key, uh, and we do deserve to to be able to play them properly for the I game mean, that we love and we're supporting. Like. E- I'm happy to give you my money. I think most players are like the entire, honestly, the entire Patreon model is built on the concept of like, Hey, don't you actually want to support the things that you enjoy? Right. And it seems reasonably successful. And like, you can gouge us, but just communicate with us. Right. Like just be fair. And that they seem to refuse to genuinely frustrates me half to death. Again, for bundles, it's one thing it's annoying you won't get my bundle money, that's going to suck. But like, if it's card acquisition and people's ability to play the game, we have a different problem. I mean, uh, Glazer, I think your f- mistake here, not, not necessarily wrong with your arguments, your mistake here is assuming, though, that this corporation is deciding anything actually far enough in advance to be able to be comfortable with its communications. I would not be surprised if what is in the spotlight caches isn't locked less than a week before they write that article and slot everything in for that month. Or you bring up a great point. I mean, we just had, yeah, we, we we just had a card release that was, wasn't even what it was supposed to be and had to get changed hours after release. Like where's the QA process on that? So, I mean, and I like these people, but grow up. You're a you're a business that just got paid a hundred million dollars. Do better. Like, it's not the consumer's problem that you can't plan. No. Stop making it our problem. I, I mean, Aaron, none of the things you were saying are wrong. But I just, again, maybe this might just be slight peek behind the curtain of my life. But everyone in our wonderful society needs to grow up. Because most organizations do not have their shit together and are not capable of announcing things in a timely manner. And are not, ca- like, things are not locked in. Like, the the illusion of competency that exists is is real and i don't I, mean, I was I, these people at second dinner are good at their jobs making a game but things are frequently not locked in for a variety of reasons not necessarily even because people are making bad decisions but somebody somewhere needs to approve it and needs to go to 50 different improvement approval, approval processes like we are operating from a veil of ignorance and definitely all of your arguments are very cogent about why people quit but i think they run up against the reality of large-scale organizations, particularly large-scale organizations trying to release cards basically every week of the month, which is a like very few other card games are trying to do. So I'm not surprised that their systems consistently fail them and consistently can fail the, fail the consumer. But Whether I'm surprised or not, in the interest of the long-term health of the game, like, again, it's not for the people on this podcast. This isn't going to be a huge issue. But for your average player who just wants to do some dailies and get a new card, right? Like, and build a good deck. This has got to be a nightmare. Oh, hey, do you want to chime in here before we jump into talking about the actual cards that yeah. people or actually the patch? Yeah, I was thinking about like 
uh, I have a question that it's like, I know that it's 100% confirmed that we are not going to get more bundles uh, data mines, but it's almost 100% confirmed that we are not going to get cards, uh, spotlight catch data mines, right? Yep, it's confirmed. They've basically been answering questions saying, yeah, we they basically said, hey, we want to change it to make it the best experience possible and we want to be free to. So we don't want to tell you anything, which is bullshit. In that, right? It's we're not ready. In, is the, what they're in, saying. in that case, Pulse, don't you think like the average player that you said, like, I don't know, a player that logs in just to make like the dailies and play like two to five games every single day, don't care about what is coming the next week? And just, like, so, see if the card is, like, ah, oh, this is good, this isn't, and I'm just going to play my games? So they do care, though, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so, I, I mean, look, I release a video every day, mm-hmm. and so I'm reaching all sorts of different people, right? And I see people who are like, oh, my God, I didn't know this, that, the other thing was happening. Mm-hmm. But they're still watching, like, a video about it, right? They're still trying to keep up. They're still, like, clicking on um the different things. And I'm convinced. and all evidence seems to suggest this. If Cozy releases a video, it gets 120,000 views, right? Mm-hmm. Those players, I don't think, are watching any other Marvel Snap content. They're watching Cozy. Mm-hmm. If Co- like, But that's like 100,000 people that are getting that information from that person and nowhere else. If that person doesn't have that information anymore, how do they plan? Because they were planning just based on him, the, right? Mm-hmm. But in, in that case, uh, that was uh, something that we discussed in my stream a few days ago that uh, as a long time magic player just like Gunny, i start like theorizing the idea or maybe second dinner could make a fix and like give the spotlight catches or the new card or something like that preview you yeah, know like maybe one week in advance and, you know, maybe this week, Cozy is going to have the exclusive of the new card on his Twitter or in a video or whatever. And the next week is going to be another creator and stuff like that. And that is going to be like a way to make us like have the information and at the same time, like push the creators to maybe like maintain the community, engage with, with the people that make content. You know? Great. Do it. But do something, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, for like, just saying we're not doing it anymore, good luck, is not the answer. Yeah, for sure. I, like, I don't care what the solution is. It's honestly not my job to come up with a solution. It's theirs. I come up with 50 different ways this could work, mm-hmm. right? Pick one and do it. Yeah. Just not telling us and saying good luck when your entire card acquisition system is built on saving and planning. Saying, mm, you can save, but you sure can't plan, is mm-hmm, obnoxious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, the unfortunate part about this is the only way to talk to the company from our standpoint um, is to talk with our wallets, right? Uh, you, you as a not folks, me, I can DM them. I yell <laughs> you're right. At you, <laughs> you can, all and the time. and I, I get it, but and you can do that. But at the end of the day, they're going to listen to you when they want mm-hmm. to, and mm-hmm. what they're really well, going to they listen to is is w- with people, you know, using their wallets. And the unfortunate part is a lot of people are still just going to continue pumping money into it and it's and it just might not matter i mean we'll see um cam talked about this on that podcast with alex right where like eventually mm-hmm. i mean we've talked about it here too but eventually um the consumer just runs out of trust yeah 
and like it does like it'll go great 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 until it stops going great and then when it does nothing will fix it once the consumer doesn't trust you anymore you're dead and i feel like we hopefully keep... with how quick they are to react that they they make changes quicker than uh the, the you know the ship filling up with water and sinking i mean so <sighs> they they i mean they have a few things that help like content creators right and they have a few nice little events but they're like regular gotcha game events like log in every day to get bullshit oh i should probably double check if i did my login today to get bullshit events um but like When's the last time they made a change to their core structures? I mean, it's spotlight caches, the original spotlight caches, and then putting a thousand tokens in them instead of that variant. So July is the last time I think that they made a change to the way they do things and communicate that benefited the community. Yeah, and and we could see a green spotlight catch, you know, like mm-hmm. a green box that never get released in any form. So maybe that is there or isn't so just like you said that's probably a reason why the last three or four bundles were buff just like in terms of what we could see before in the data mines like the hella one and then mm-hmm. the casar one etc three or four bundles buff just like never before and probably that's a reason to try to make the consumer like don't lose the, the, the trust on the company you know? Well, because after December, they had to. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like, it wasn't like they did that. Like, it wasn't like, oh, let's just be nice. It was like, oh, no, everyone's really disappointed about our mm-hmm. decision in December. Mm-hmm. I, I Look, look, we can be good. And then, like, but we're not going to tell you. Sorry. It's just it's so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm done with this. We ready to move on? Yeah. We'll talk sure. about the patch. <laughs> let's talk about a patch. A very small patch. Yes, but impactful. Uh, hmm. Omega Red got a rework. <laughs> Omega Red. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm a little tired. We've already been doing this an hour. All right. So Omega Red has oh. gotten a buff where he now only requires you to be winning, but only gives three power to all other locations. Beast has had a rework that we'll discuss whether or not it is a buff or a nerf. A lot of opinions came in hot. He is now a 2-2 with the text on reveal, return your other cards here to your hand. They cost one less next turn. Hell Carrier is the same card, except he or it, excuse me, now fills your entire hand with random cards when he when it's discarded gunny what do you think of these changes i am gonna assume you're gonna want to talk mostly about beast um i i actually am not going to talk most about beast i want to talk most about omega red uh it's an exciting change to me and and here's why it's my most exciting change to me it's impactful it does things it gives people a way to swap out a uh you know like a miss marvel card uh pretty easy swap there when when people are asking what do i swap this with um and it's a card everybody already has i you know, whenever we get hit with the nerfs, it feels so bad when you've spent resources um, to to get something that's really good and it performs well. Let's think Werewolf by Night, and then it gets nerfed and it's not good anymore. 
the the problem with how that works because they're always buffing cards like let's take omega red here for example uh the problem with that is it doesn't feel as good i don't think to a larger community when when a card they already have gets buffed a little bit than it does for their favorite toy to be taken away um and and, and I, I really wish people would conceptualize that just a little bit like having cards like quake become viable having cards like omega red become a viable card uh it's, it's exciting um and I, and i hope it, just try to think about that next time what your your favorite card is nerfed to, to, to help with balance a little bit that you know every once in a while that we get a bone here and we get a new card to play with too i take that um, well, about Beast, uh, I think it's more or less like a buff, you know, something close, like I said at the beginning, like similar to what happened to Hulkbuster. Because in my mind, when the card gets cheaper, the card gets better, even if we lose some power, you know, but you win some flexibility. Even if now Beast make you like, or give you just a one turn to get the benefit of like costing uh, one less energy uh, for your cars, you know? So I don't know, maybe it forces you to have an amazing turn five, but at the end, turn five is in my mind, the most important turn of the game. So most of the time you're like doing your best possible play on turn five, like just trying to enable your turn six. So in my mind now, just like whole posture is like better on curve with Deadpool and better curve with Human Torch. In that case, Beast is more or less like giving you more flexibility to spend like an extra resource, an extra energy on turn five. You're sure like assemble your best uh, six turn play. So I think Omega Red is great. I think Helicarrier is going to be meta. Basically, the instant Corvus Glaive comes out. I think it's good now, but it's going to be meta when Corvus Glaive comes out, because holy shit, does this card love Corvus Glaive. Plus one energy and all the cards in the world to play with it just seems good, even if they're random. Mm. Um, And Beast is worse. Sorry, he just is. The one-turn discount is a giant nightmare. Um, it's Okay, so what bothers me about it is Beast wasn't a problem with his previous design. Bounce was fine. It was a tier 2 deck. It was a fun tier 2 deck, right? So what they did is they took its main piece, which was better than their season pass card, and said, let's make it different and worse than the season pass card. But it wasn't overpowered in the first goddamn place. They just separated it from the season pass card because they were like, well, why would you play... Kyra, it's not Kyra, uh, Black Swan half the time because you have Beast, right? One less power, but like, hey, it's so much easier to use. Mm -hmm. So now Beast is extremely hard to use, especially because, and we'll get to this, I think Supergiant is kind of nutty. And Supergiant on four means you can't play Beast on five. It also means you can't play, um, play Black Swan on five, right? But like, you could have played Beast earlier and I very often did play Beast on three. A lot of my games went one, one, one Beast when I played Bounce. And now that's no longer a viable play. That's like an actively bad play that makes winning harder. Playing Beast on like turn three. 
I need to play Beast on turn five for it to have real value. I don't even want to play it on turn four unless I'm uh, going to get a black swan off on turn five. And at that point, it's just worse Falcon. Now, if I'm playing it on turn four, then I have to move my hit monkey or Shang-Chi around on turn five, right? Because I need that discount if I'm not seeing that other card. And if I'm doing that on turn five, I've defeated the whole purpose of playing Bounce, which is the late power burst, the protection that provides me. Because now I've already made my big werewolf a Shang-Chi Shadow King target. I've already dropped my big hit monkey. Whatever, whatever my payoff is has to happen to turn earlier, which is a weakness the deck cannot afford because it's already super fragile. It's already playing a bunch of shitty statted cards like 1-2s and 1-1s to try and make these things work. If those things die, the deck is completely dead. And Beast being two makes that a significantly more likely problem for you to run into. But in that case, how was Beast before being at 3-4? It was fine. You beasted on three or four. And then you had the discount that you could hold until the last turn of the game. But but before uh, costing three and having four power, Beast has another line of stats, right? Oh yeah, when it was a 2-2, two, two, it was completely broken, right? Mm -hmm. Because it was a 2-2 two, two that kept the discount forever. Okay. So you can play it on turn three or four just fine mm -hmm. still, but then you could not play the cards you got back until six. Mm -hmm. Okay. The big difference is when you have to go off. Beast says, I'm go when you play Beast, a lot of what it says now is I have to go off next turn. Mm -hmm. What it said before was this is the proper time to set up going off at the end of the game. And going off next turn, whenever next turn is, is exponentially worse than going off at the end of the game. Yeah, I, I have a, a, a long time discussion with my chat many times when why Beast can keep like the minus one cost like even below one just like Loki, you know? Many people say, like, Loki have to be nerfed, and Loki uh, should not bring the cards below one. And I always say, never, like... Never Loki's problem, just I, for the record. Yeah, I know, but, but most of the time I say, <laughs> if you want to take that out from Loki, why are you going to keep that on Beast, you know? So that's, like... I mean, but it was just people being wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Like, Loki's problem has never, ever been zero-cost cards. I know. Every time I hear that, like, as the fix, I'm like, you don't understand what makes Loki mm -hmm, good. Mm -hmm. that, like, it's fine. You can be wrong. Everyone doesn't have to understand what makes Loki good. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's an immediate, like, I'm not taking your argument seriously about this because that's, mm -hmm. like, genuinely never been the thing with mm -hmm. Loki. Um, Loki's, ne like, Loki's power has never been zero-cost cards. Mm -hmm. Loki's power has been, like, four-cost cards that suddenly cost one or cost three or two. Mm-hmm. Right, like Loki's power exists in the mid range, not at the at the bottom end. Um, Beast costs zero because it's you're limited to generally speaking about two to three cards per mm -hmm, game mm -hmm. that you can beast. That's why it was for the rest of the game because, like, unless you were doing some real, real hard work, you were going to get at most three cards costing zero that game. Yeah, and that and you mm -hmm. will and you had to pay for them to get them to cost zero. Mm -hmm. It's not like they cost zero and then still cost zero. Mm -hmm. They cost one you paid for them and then you got a second activation for zero which you all which you paid either two previously or three to get which again if you had three ones there you paid three you got four extra power and then you got three extra energy right like you're paying three to get three energy yeah yeah and that's, it was that, that, fine. that's the reason why sabu or sera or queen jet mm -hmm. etc are limited to mm -hmm. not below one 
because you like maybe with Sera just place the skip every single turn, mm-hmm. play Sera on five, and you have like seven cards that cost right minus one. But with Beast, you are like like you uh, properly say sure. just limited to three cards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just it's a world of different. I hate this change. I think this is a way to sell season passes, and I don't usually think that of their changes. That gets said a lot, but like Beast was in one good deck and there were like two italian people playing it mm, now you're made me think like after i finish my newest challenge that you reach infinite with galactus um i'm going to play a lot of beast like trying to understand every single thing so, that you say like in my so mind wait. beast is now better but everything you said have a lot of sense so you know where he's still really good the deck he was already tier one in. Yeah, <laughs> he's not worse than the best deck. The um, the uh, Annihilus thing yeah. that uh, that Geo Annihilus and, uh, were playing. Bounce junk. Yeah. That yeah, that deck does not give a shit. They're just like we just want to be able to bounce things sometimes, mm-hmm. right? Like, <laughs> look, we're just throwing a wearable front. Doesn't matter. Uh-huh. Like, we're getting power from like six different avenues. Mm-hmm. Like, it matters, but like, it's not a real thing, right? Like, it's it's a mild nerf. Yeah, there. I agree. Whereas in everything else and like the bounce decks that were like actually fun and bounce decks those got hammered mm-hmm. a fair point of view Gunny, do you have something you want to add here nope i think those are great points and ready to move on to new cards all right so let's talk about our new season pass card black swan series five next month right now it costs you at least 9.99 local currency depending is a three energy five strength and gives you the on reveal until end of your next turn your one cost cards cost zero boy what do you have for us here what do you think of our exciting new season pass pay to win card I played today something close to five hours and I didn't see a single black swan in, I don't know, I played Nairobi to 45 or 50 games and I haven't seen black swan yet. So I'm not pretty sure what the people are thinking about the card and that made me question myself because in my mind, black swan have like, uh, high ceiling potential of being a good card, you know, but mm, I don't know. Maybe the people are not really interesting of doing something with Black Swan because that means like you have to make a really, really like a Black Swan focused builds, you know, like maybe Bounce and maybe Sudex or something like that. Maybe in my mind, probably the best shell for Black Swan like almost with every single other card that Marvel Snap releases is Thanos. Because with this, you are going to make your gems or stones cost zero. So maybe that is like the best way to play Black Swan right now. Because just like like Paul said, maybe this seems just like the new beast. So in in maybe you're going to, to play Black Swan on Bounce or, or something similar. But in my mind, maybe Thanos is the best shell for, for Black Swan. Danny. So I played Black Swan some today in Bounce, and I have to say it just felt awkward. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the deck was already kind of doing its thing with Beast and re- reducing its um, its cost already, or I needed to use a Falcon to get some of the ones back into my hand. It just felt really clunky and awkward to use. As a 3-5, it's got some nice stats to it, but it's just it's, it's really in the middle of the, your game plan of when you're going to be doing things. So you're either holding a bunch of stuff in your hand to use black swan or the things that are already out on the board and then you need to get them back into your hand to use black swan again um so it's it's it fell into a very awkward spot for me um i haven't really tried it in thanos i could see some use there but again i feel like you have already done the things that you want to do by playing your stones early um so when are you sliding in black swan hmm. i'm just not really certain it, it just feels like an awkward card in the middle of the game I don't know. I, I guess that's really it. So the problem is it's only a turn five play, right? I don't really want to be like. I think the design space they're going for is kind of anti old um, wave. Where wave was just like, all right, let's lock it in and you can play one thing, right? This mm-hmm. is saying, OK, you can sort of go off. And like. I, the problem is. Ultimately, I don't want to save all my ones for turn six. I want to get the early benefit. Like, the whole point, like, is they don't have enough stats to be good enough on the last turn, right? right? So I want the early benefit of playing them, and then I want to be able to play them again, and then I get, like, actual value out of them by playing them twice. And Black Swan does not enable that. It does not. I still need an extra card to be able to do that. And they took away my best extra card to do that. Like the, the hands down best life. play you could do would be like Black Swan and Falcon on the same turn. Yeah, uh-huh. that's the turn five. But yeah, now you need two specific cards on turn five, and you better also have Hit Monkey for turn six. Like it's just it's it's an ask. It's and an your ask. hand can't be full of demons and other yeah. random yeah. stuff. Right, and you're and like God forbid there were rocks or squirrels out, and now your yep. hand is full it of happened to me today. I had a hand. I I used cards to bounce, and I got two squirrels back to my hand. Yeah, yep. and if you like try to make this work like um, the early game or something like that, like on turn three, for example, you don't want like to clog all your lanes on turn mm-hmm. four, you know? So. Yep, it's like oh great, I can play in two slots left. Uh-huh. They drop a goblin, and you're like, oh, uh-huh. I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a problem for sure. I just this is maybe so also this was so much better as a two three. Yeah, for sure. In fact, a, a friend of mine uploads a video that sets the fastest uh, nerf in the history of Marvel Snap mm-hmm. because as two three is maybe busted, you know. But in my mind, maybe like talking again about Thanos, maybe the only way that I want to like clock all my lanes is because I have Killmonger and Death on my hand. So maybe in the Killmonger dead build of Thanos, Black Swan could be a good card to have, you know? Like you dump on your board and, and then you use Killmonger, have a free dead, and maybe have some triggers there, like on reveals or maybe... So ready? That would be a really great play on turn five. How much does Black Swan cost and how much does Killmonger cost? Yeah, for sure, three and three. Yeah. You don't want to do it on turn six. I had the exact same thought. And I was like, great. That would have been such a cool play, except now it's not one I can make. <laughs> right? Like I can. Well, play maybe if you turn. play magic and you do this I mean, on turn six. Uh, uh, no, what I, what you'd have to do is you have to black swan on 
three yes. so that you could do all the stones and Killmonger on four. <laughs> but that's a god draw on turn three, yeah, right? Yeah. Like that in a Thanos deck with 18 cards, this is not happening. Yeah. And, and, uh, and you know what? If it is happening, it happened because you played all your stones to draw that shit already. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So I'm confused. So why does this card necessarily have to be like a bounce combo card? Like how much is playing, say, Black Swan on three? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so having a three five. How much is how many free one cost cards do you have to play on turn four for that to be worth it? Depends I, which, but which do you want to play on turn four just to have in your deck? And there will be X games that you don't draw Black Swan, and these are dead cards. I right. think that you're drawing late game. I think Glazer kind of hit it there. So I think two. If you if you play two free one cost cards, that sounds pretty good. That's that's a reasonable amount, but. How many one cost cards am I having in my deck then to make sure I have two to use with Black Swan that I haven't already used on my curve already? Mm, maybe. And, and then you draw them like turn five and you're like, great, I just drew a one two turns after Black Swan. If, I mean, go, go ahead. Bye. Uh, sorry, I was just going to say that maybe if we you think about Black Swan as an enabler could be mm-hmm. a better way to, to see the card. For example, just like a, a random idea. Black Swan on three, and then on four you play a free zero, and then Typhoid Mary, for example. That that could be a way like to enable good uh, one cost cards as free cards on a turn where you like normally how can't many, play that. How many ones do you want to run in your Shuri Red Skull decks? Because sure, but like you want to run three ones in that deck, and one of them, unless you see Sauron, you can't play after Black Swan. Where maybe the old uh, Serocula build, you know, like with a lot of ones so and Kassar. I played that. I played a, a version of that earlier. The um, the Dracula Dumpy one mm-hmm. is a home for it. It um, the problem is, and Gunny, we played this together, right? Like, yep. if you don't see Black Swan, that's not a deck. Mm. <laughs> but <laughs> like, if you don't see Black Swan, you're like, oh god, please, one in four chance, discard that important card. Mm. Come on. Um, but full of ones, let's go. I, I definitely, I, I feel like we're trying to find too much the ceiling of this card or even the floor of this card and not think about like its average value. Like I think, like what about a deck that wants to run three one cost cards, as you just said? What if it runs an additional one cost card or maybe two? And you use five Black Swan. out of twelve. Hold on, hold on, Glazer. I'm or Thanos. All right, let's go with Thanos. Mm-hmm. Now, Thanos, yeah, that's okay. Oh. Thanos, right? But there could be other cards. Sometimes you draw Iceman on turn three, and you don't know where to fit him in. But you can play Black Swan on two, or excuse me, on oh, three. Yeah. On three, excuse me. I'm sorry, I misspoke. All right, and then you can do your normal turn fourth play and play a one cost card. Right, it expands the things you're capable of doing in the middle turns. Like I'm not again, it is a cost reduction card, and I do think a lot of the discussion about this has been very like linear, like in the sense of like how do you build the most linear Black Swan deck, or how does it fit into Thanos? One of those is obviously going to be more like obviously good, the Thanos one, than these linear decks are. But I think Black Swan as a value card that causes you to rethink 
what you can do with one one cost cards to supplement middle of the game plays, I think is a way more interesting space than people are giving it credit for. Sure, but good stuff decks exist. And like when you're playing Black Swan, which is way more than you're giving it credit for, because again, you can usually just play your ones on one and two. They'll get an extra one out sometimes that way. Now you've played Black Swan on three. You've used up two of your cards and one of your draw steps in your extremely limited 12 card deck in six turn game to play this extra card, which is nice, right? But you know what a lot of good decks don't run? Many one drops for a reason, because you don't want to draw them unless they are otherwise synergizing with the deck. Mm -hmm. So what we're looking for isn't Black Swan's explosive potential. What we're looking for is where Black Swan says, I want to play a lot of one drops. Is it possible it fits in? The deck that runs the most one drops outside of Thanos, or Bounce, is High Evolutionary. And you can easily see it fitting there, except mid-game Nebula sucks. And mid-game Sunspot is usually fairly mid. Mm, I'm just checking the stats on, um, on our yeah, tracker. And now, mm -hmm. beside Bounce, that obviously have a really good win rate of 60, almost 4%, and an average of 1.06 cubes per game, the best deck on win rate basis is a Thanos ongoing mm -hmm. deck that have... The, no, a Thanos Zoo deck that have the Ant-Man and Valkyrie combo. O sea, the, the, like the only other one cost card that you play like beside the, the Infinity Stones is Ant-Man. And I don't know, maybe just like I was saying with Zero and maybe Typhoid Mary, like having a five-cost Valkyrie combo instead of a six-cost Valkyrie combo basically wins you a lane. So, okay, ready? Uh, I'm on untap right now. They have a larger sample than we do at snap zone. So I, I like their stats better. There's a lot. I like snap zone better for a bit. I go to them for stats because larger sample. Good. Best deck. Number one, Thanos lockjaw. Best deck. Number two, Thanos lockjaw. Best deck. Number three, Thanos lockjaw. Those are the three best decks with the three highest win rates. Best deck. Number four is the number one deck last season, except it runs black swan. Now two. it's, um, the annihilus bounce thing. Hmm. Then there's the Dracula dump that we talked about earlier, which is like the other home, right? At that point, we're now down to decks that aren't like they're at like 58% win rate, but 58% win rate from 70 to 100 in bot heaven at this point in the season is very mid. Like I'm mostly looking at 60% and up. So we've got a straight up zoo, which is, I guess, fine, right? Like we know it has a potential home in zoo. Um, and then we're at like firmly medium bounce decks, including the one I've shared, right? Um, and then, like, we're down to yet more Thanos stuff, and then we're at more Bounce stuff, right? Like, the other decks just aren't performing, except maybe there's something for this Dracula um, Strong Guy deck. Maybe we've finally got the real home for Strong Guy. But, like, outside of that, and, like, that deck should feast on bots, because it's representing no power until, like, the last turn of the game, right? Until it drops Black Swan, and it has a Dracula out, right? Until it drops Black Swan, that's going to feast on bots. Bots are going to snap on you. That's going to win a lot of games. Like, what is this? Dex and Marvel Snap are good for two reasons. They either create archetypes or they create packages, right? 
So Black Swan either has to create an archetype or go into an archetype that's good and be good enough to go into it. And it seems like it's probably good enough to go into Bounce and probably good enough to go into Thanos Lockjaw. It's borderline in both because, like, spoiler, those are super high win rate decks any goddamn way. Black Swan or no Black Swan. And then, otherwise, it has to create a package. And at least thus far, there has been no package that's even close to being discovered outside of maybe that um, Dracula dump thing that has proved anything. All right, Gunny, do you want to add anything here? No, I think we've uh, we've really put this one to the ground. We've talked about it quite a bit. All right, let's jump over to the other controversial card, which is Super Giant, which is a four cost, five strength, series five, 6K tokens. What will your 6K tokens get you? They will get you an on reveal. All cards played next turn don't reveal until the game ends. Gunny, what do you think of the woman who is stepping on the meta, super giant here? What do you think of her? I think I might come to hate her. (laughs) (laughs) But other than that, like, it's fun. Like, she's making new decks that are doing different new things. um, And it's creative time for, again, like what what we just spoken about, like, there's just new things happening. And it's always a fun time when that is the case. So... I'm having fun with it. I'm having fun playing against it. Um, it's creating, you know, some situations that I just haven't really got a chance to deal with yet. Um, and again, just keeping the, the the game fresh for me. This card is doing it. It's, it's making some waves. Boy? On my mind, this is the closest card to Legion in some point of, like, seeing the, the card on a big picture, you know? This is because just like Legion at the beginning, like almost no one played the card. And after three or four days, everyone is like playing Legion in every single deck, just realizing how many scenarios Legion can win like single-handedly. And about Supergiant, I was thinking something very similar. I said many times that this card is going to be meta-defining. Like, and... A time before the Super Giant and a time after Super Giant. But it's, I, I make like the comparison with Legion in a sense like this is going to be almost nowhere the first three or four days. Then the card is going to be all over the place in every single deck. And then just like Legion, is going to slowly disappear until the meta demands her. Just like Legion, for example. If there is a lot of limbo, you're going to start like playing Legion, for example, just to shut down the Limbos or something like that. And in the same way, Super Giant is going to be super hyped and then it's going to be like sleeping. And then when the meta is like with a lot of Leech or Vision or I don't know, Black Ball, James Foster, every single five cost card that is like extremely relevant, Super Giant is going to be there. Mm, that's a fantastic point. So whenever turn five matters, Supergiant matters. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think this card was set up for success for two ways. One, it does something I really love in Marvel Snap, which is play into unique aspects that don't exist in other card games. The like reveal mechanic is uh, unique to Marvel Snap, and so this is really cool design space. I really do hope... We see more cards that play around with this. It makes this card exciting, dynamic, really interesting. Like this is like a must acquire card because it does things that really 
you've had not very much control over except for locations uh, up to this point, except for, of course, Invisible Woman, who is, of course, also one of the most interesting cards in the game, right? So we have Supergiant there. Second, she is Zabu fodder. So that makes her, again, really interesting, opening up things for you to be able to do on turn four um, and sort of ways in which you could see, like, something unusual happening, uh, locking, protecting something that you were playing, sequencing things. There's a lot of really cool things to do to Supergiant. I know the Alioth sort of blow everything up uh, lifestyle uh, is the sort of flashiest thing and most frustrating and most toxic. But I think Supergiant does so many powerful and interesting things that I really hope that Second Dinner establishes this on reveal as the heart of the card even as they adjust numbers uh, for her um, to sort of maybe get around some of the Ollie off things or discourage Ollie off things or all these various uh, things that need to happen. But I think for me this month, super giant is the coolest card. And in a month full of, I think really desirable cards, she might be the most desirable. Rory, can you break down that, that super giant um, Alioth interaction real quick? So, yeah. Uh, you can, let's see, I haven't done it yet, but you can blow up your opponent by uh, two lanes by being first. And of course, you got to be first. You got to stay yep, in control. You got to have priority. Priority is the big priority, one. Here. Right. And then you play Supergiant. You put Absorbing Man behind Supergiant. You then play Alioth on six. Alioth resolves, blows up one lane. Then the game ends and Absorbing Man. It, comes up and the on reveal from Alioth goes off and blows up your opponents yeah. not a different lane. But basically anytime somebody plays super giant and you do not have priority, you have to be aware of Alioth. Sure. So if you do have priority, you have to be aware of Valkyrie. That's a good one too. So um there's not like a good solution here. This is going to get nerfed and it's going to get several other cards. And nerfed. if for some reason you are playing like magic you yeah. you have to now fear Grandmaster because that alliance can yeah. happen again. <laughs> yep. Like, oh, no, it's completely absurd. Um, This is... So we're at the point, it's only been a few days as of recording, right? Where this is a fun card. And this is going to stop being a fun card fast. So you yeah. compare this to Legion. This is Legion married to Professor X. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Right? Like, it's like, oh, what if Professor X and Legion were just one card? Oh, that'd be broken. Well, welcome to Supergiant. Um, it played out like exactly how I thought when I put it number one on basically every list and like everyone was like mm, I don't think so this isn't going to be as good as those other guys I was like I don't if you can get priority this is nearly impossible to beat because the uh, the ways you beat Eliath are things like move cards and so on and that don't beat Supergiant and that's another reason right? why Gladiator is amazing now with us as 3-8 yeah. yeah also you can't freaking magic Right? Like, you mm -hmm. can't magic unless you're magicking on three or four. Mm -hmm. You can't magic on five. You better see it early. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's played Phoenix Force, you know how hard it is to guarantee a card by turn three or four. Yeah. Um, Like, if you can keep priority, I don't want the game to become a who get, who can keep priority with Supergiant. But if you can keep priority with Supergiant, what's the counterplay? What do you think, guys, with Supergiant and Sabu? Um, I don't run Supergiant on three ever, hmm. but Supergiant plus Zabu's purpose for me 
is to be able to play a one with supercharger. Okay. Martyr is my personal hmm. pick of choice here because I want priority. Hmm. And if I can play a 10 power turn four, mm-hmm. if I can play Ms. Marvel on three, then a 10 power turn four, right? Mm-hmm. I've got priority. Or even if I can just go Mr. Fantastic hmm. into my 10 power turn four, I've got priority. And even if Martyr tries to lose me the game, good luck. They don't have any cards. How are you losing me the game? Yeah. Right so like, it's just, it's, I don't know, like, there's not really counterplay to it, except get priority, and then if they're smart, they're running Valkyrie. Hmm. And I don't know, like, then you better have Elioth, because if not, that Valkyrie is probably going to beat you. Mm-hmm. What um, do you think the nerf is? Fuck if I know. I, I think this was a weird decision to make, because, like, you had, it didn't, we all knew Absorbing Man into Elioth, right? Like, that wasn't breaking news. And we all knew how priority worked, and we all knew how priority decks worked. We did this. There was a freaking three-week period where Crossbones was incredible, right? Like, I, I don't know. Wait for when, um, because it's coming, because Cull Obsidian goes in this deck, right? Mm. Yeah. Just just wait for when you can just be like, okay, so I paid, played a 10 on turn three. I played Zabu, then a 10, then Supergiant. Well, now what? What do you think about that on Rebuild? The game ends on turn five. That's, mm. I mean, I don't like that. You can't have it. You no, me neither, but that's just five. an idea. <laughs> yeah, no, you, I don't think you, I don't know what you can do. I don't know how you fix this. You um, nerf her power, and that's what they'll do for a while. You have to nerf her power. I a could lot. see, I could it see reducing like her four, cost. Three. I could see her, them reducing her cost to three and having it be something like um, card three one. Like on reveal cards don't reveal on this turn until the end of the game. So you could play three and then you could play a one to hide and basically hide whatever your opponent played that turn. And that's I mean, it. Sure. Look, there's there's things you can do. I honestly and people keep telling me I'm wrong and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is just the early days of the card and there's some counter I'm not seeing. Hmm. But I've been, but every time people tell me I'm wrong, I'm like, OK, so what's the counter? And they go, you just play. um like double dino on five i'm like how does that beat me i'm blowing it up before it ever reveals like how does that beat me like it'll that'll stop the valkyrie right i mean but you better <laughs> freaking pray i don't have daredevil maybe it's just the same answer as blob you know like playing goose and cosmo yeah yeah i mean i mean big damn idiots loves this card like play it against me i dare you mm-hmm. like so what do you I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how you solve this. And again, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's not broken, right? Like, it's very early. We are mm-hmm. clearly in the we love this card yeah. phase. I'm in the we love this card phase. But I can't win more than two cubes with this because people, when it does the thing, people are like, ooh, ooh, I gotta go. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it's just like, ooh. Like, um, I played this with Gunny earlier and I didn't even have the thing, right? What'd the opponent nope. do? They, they retreated because you super gianted. Yeah, I played Supergiant, and I had Daredevil. And then when I snapped, they're like, well, screw you. <laughs> right? Like, like... You're uh, not having my time. Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, just, like, you're, like, it's the most... Your card doesn't reveal. I know what it is. I know what to play where. Good luck. Hmm. How, do, how does Steel Cubes play Daredevil on turn two? Play Supergiant on turn four? Snap, snap on turn five? <laughs> yep. And, like, how do you stay in against that? That's, like, if you did that against me, I'd get nauseous. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, this is. I gotta go. Yeah. 
All right. All right. That was fun. Let's move on to the next card in this month, which we will see next week shortly after it's Radiohead airs. Yes, it's Radiohead. It's Call Obsidian, a four cost, 10 strength. Ooh, series five card. What does your 6K tokens get? Well, this card has a drawback. You can only play this card where you have a one cost card. Obvious synergies with Thanos stones. All right, Bohe, what do you have for us on this card? I don't know, boy. Every single card that I saw the last three or four weeks, the first thing that I think is like, this is going to be amazing on Thanos. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Maybe I'm just like being a little bit like merrier about the situation. I want to try this with Scar. Because the more 10 power cards in the game, the better the Scar gets. So Scar is already a good card on Thanos Logio. So I don't know. Maybe Cool Obsidian plus Black Swan plus Scar and everything else on Thanos Logio could be a good idea, even with Kajeda. So I don't know. Maybe it's a, a little bit better than other four tens cards that basically got like really bad drawbacks, except for Sentry, that now it's amazing with Anilus. So this is probably better than Atuma. This is probably better than Namor, etc. So maybe a new tool for Thanos, but basically it's just the same as, as we we discussed with Black Swan. Where else are you going to play Cool Obsidian on Dracula Dump? Maybe, but Thanos is going to be probably a good card. Mm-hmm. Gunny? I think this card is really interesting. I got a question for you all, uh, and I have an answer I came up with, but I'm interested in yours. How many one drops do you need in your deck to reasonably play this on four and even three if you have a, a Zabu? With Thanos three. or without Thanos? Without Did you Thanos. say three, Roy? No, I said three. Ah, uh, uh, I would say I, I'm, I'm looking normal decks. Like, I think you could easily play this in Thanos and never, ever worry about not being yeah, able yeah. to play. You don't play ones, you just play Thanos. I agree with Glazer then. Three to four. Uh, three. Yeah, three is the number. You don't need four. Three is fine. Sometimes you won't three, be able to play. Three it is three, the magic number of one drops that you're going to need to play to, mm-hmm. to have it out on time, mm-hmm. which seems reasonable. Now, what deck do we want to play with three one drops and uh, a four ten? I don't know. Uh, high evolutionary. But, yeah, high evolutionary with Sospot and Nebula and Misty Knight. Yeah. Big dumb idiots. Um, Shuri Sauron. Uh, look, certain versions of um double up decks with Zabu I mean, he, and Darkhawk. Here's an interesting one too, right? I can so keep Dark, going. How big is like, Darkhawk on average? Uh, 10. 10 to 12. Right. So, and that's, well, let's say you know, 11. Best, that seems like an average between the two. That's a, that's a big case. You know, it's best case scenario. Um, you, you have no. to draw your stuff. It's, it's, it's an I play the... rock slide. What's that? That's an I played rock slide. And yep. with rock slide, it's a 410. So, uh, this is, you know, a 410 without any other package needed. Uh, this, mm-hmm. so like, well, maybe there's one drop. Maybe, yeah, you're, you're right. But, you're not required to play certain cards uh, mm-hmm. like Rock Slide and Korg. So maybe this is a new type of mid-range deck that is playing your one drops out there with your Zabu, dropping out your Call of Obsidian, um, mm-hmm. and then your Omega Reds or your no Marbles. 
What's that? Why not both? But <laughs> you're, yeah. But for example, right. I don't know. Maybe uh, with Darkhawk you have some upsides. You know, it's an ongoing ability, so you can use like Mystic. That is most of the mm -hmm. time like one of the best friends of of uh, Darkhawk. So Paul is four, and Taskmaster exists. Yeah, and, and probably in Shuri Sauron is going to be a good idea. You know, but because you play Zero, you play Ebony Maw with mm -hmm. Sauron. And a 410 with Shuri is probably going to be good. You also play Sabu. So maybe it's going mm -hmm. to be a good house for Cool Obsidian beside Thanos. Uh, I think everywhere is a good home. Mm -hmm. Like, I think he, like, I think a 410 that has very limited downside goes in almost every day. I think a, a 410, a, a almost non-situational 410. You're not having mm -hmm. to put rocks in somebody's deck. You're not having to, uh, you know, keep lanes open or make sure it doesn't blow itself up. Like, all you have to do is have played a one drop. We said, can you fit three one drops in your deck? Yes. Then Call Obsidian is, is an option for you. Hmm. Yeah. I just makes sense. I think he's one of the best cards in the game, like immediately upon release. I think he is one of the most generically playable cards in the game. Mm -hmm. I think that his upside is way lower than Darkhawks. There's way sure. more, there's way more counterplay to Call Obsidian because mm -hmm. of the fixed strength, right? There's like things that being an ongoing ability gives Darkhawk outs to. And sure, but it, he's also not weak to the weaknesses Darkhawk yeah. has to the ongoing hate. Right, but I think that ongoing hate is much less common than oh, the no. no Obsidian, Call Obsidian hate. But again... You're the top player. I'm just saying I haven't seen an Enchantress or a Rogue in a long time. Um, They're all over the place. So They're all over the Depending place. Depending on the situation. But I think there's just something to be said about best stats, mm -hmm. just very high stats. Like with, with the floor of this, obviously you can't play it, but like this will never be less than a 10 unless something happens to it, which is kind of cool. So, I mean, let's just say I have Zabu out and at the end of the game, I can now drop Call Obsidian and Darkhawk, and I've just played an Onslaught's worth of power on the last turn of the game. Sorry, not an Onslaught, yeah. a Infinite's worth of power on the last turn of the game. Without any fancy tricks, without any bullshit, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. like, or what about even a Blob deck, right? Yeah. Put three ones mm -hmm. into a Blob deck with Call Obsidian and a couple, you know, you got Gladiator, a couple other big cards. I can curve him into Scar, right? Like, hell, with Zabu, I can, cur I can play him on three, then still play like an Atuma. Right? Yeah. Ronin. Or Scar. Yeah. And then free Scar. Yep. It just like gets this, silly. It's 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 easy to overcomplicate this thing's weaknesses. Marvel Snap is ultimately a game about winning lanes with a lot of power. There's ways to do that, there's ways to counteract that. But the thing with the most power for the cheapest is usually pretty goddamn good. And that's what Call Obsidian is. It's the most power for the cheapest, with the least work. And like, I can't think of a time that hasn't been meta. The thing you can get that does the biggest numbers with the least extra work to do so. You, is you made me think about what is needed to make Crossbone playable. Crossbones has been playable. Right? I don't know, but like, there have been times where he's been playable. Mm -hmm. Priority is what makes him playable. Hmm. When priority is really important, Crossbones is playable. And he was really good for a little while in those, um, mm -hmm. like in that move meta, mm -hmm. right? Like he started finding his home. The, I mean, look, the reason I called him Radiohead is because he's a creep. He's a power creep. He's straight up power creep on cards like Crossbones and Typhoid Mary. Because their downsides, like, 
you literally cannot play Crossbones half the time, right? Or you play him in a way such that he's useless. Um, you literally cannot make um, Typhoid Mary. Typhoid Mary can be like negative six. If you can't get rid of the uh, Void, Sentry literally represents zero power on your board. Mm-hmm. Like, Cull Obsidian, you just have to play another card that you're running anyway. And even if you get stuck in hand once in a while, it's so much easier to play without building your whole deck. Hmm. Right. Let's talk about the next card. This is another exciting one. So another Series 5. There seems to be something about that this month. 6K tokens, which gets you oh, another 3-5 as well. With the on reveal, discard two cards from your hand get max plus one energy bohey this what is your thoughts about corvus glaive this is going to be a little bit complicated but in my mind is basically an electro without a downside because in the proper shell like in the right build corvus glaive doesn't have a, a downside even if you can control the discards you know Corpus Glade doesn't say like the two more right cards on your hand or one to the right and one to the left or the two uh, biggest power cards or whatever is random, just like uh, Hell Cow that is basically a bad card. But in this case, like having an Electro without the restriction that makes you play only one card per turn in the proper build, it doesn't matter what Corbus Glaive is care. So I think this is going to be a really, really good card. Yeah, I agree. I, I think Corvus is a card that Discard desperately needed. Um, I think it's struggling to keep up with other archetypes. I mean, Glazer called the last card creep Radiohead. I think that this is a big example of power creep. Um, I think it's necessary power creep if they want to The keep- next one too. Well, yes. I think the next one is sort of insult to injury. Uh, if you're talking about whether or not discard gets a big, big jump um, in this uh, sort of in, in February. But Corvus, I think, again, I think he's a necessary card. I really do think that he solves some problems that discard has had, which is that sometimes you do really desperately need this plus one energy. I think he and he you know, does obsolete um, Hellcow and he also absolutes uh, what's the Swordmaster as well. Mm-hmm. Like you had even less reason to play Swordmaster than you currently do, right? Um, for what he's, I think, a three six, and this is a three five that gives you plus one energy at the cost of additional card. And there's enough ways to sort of offset his drawback at this point, particularly the next card we'll talk about in a second. But Gunny, do you have any thoughts about Corvus Glaive here? Uh, actually, I'd just like to bring it to the next card and talk about them together when we get there. Uh, yeah, I could do that. Okay, well, we I can talk just, about Proxima. Yeah, I think they just kind of go hand in hand. Uh, I am very excited, and I don't know if it's possible, but I think we're starting to get to a point where there's just going to be like a, a discard good stuff. Like there's going to be enough stuff that you just don't care if they're discarded where they do good stuff. You know, Wolverine, we got X-23, Proxima Midnight now. Um, so, th- and, and they're, the cards like Hellcow are overstatted. So once we have enough cards that we don't care if we just start discarding stuff, 
then these overstatted cards become very good. Uh, and I'm excited to see where that goes. It, it just creates a whole new archetype where we don't care. We're not trying to discard particularly uh, things in, in particular, excuse me, uh, where we're just discarding whatever happens to discard and the results are benefits. Definitely. Um, just for our loyal listeners, I'll read Proxima real quick. She's a four cost, seven strength, series five, 6K tokens. When this card is discarded, jumps to your lowest power location that is in full. I think I got a little so, ahead of myself there. I was so excited about it. <laughs> so Wolverine, Proxima, Swarm, Dock and Shard, Apocalypse, Helicarrier. We're up to six cards that don't care if you discard them. Right? Um, we're up to three cards that benefit from discarding these cards. Yeah, throw a stature in there. Right. Four cards I mean, you obviously, care, you obviously care if you discard stature, but Col- if you yeah. don't... The, co- the collector with the new Hell Carrier is going to be almost yeah. two digits. Yeah, yeah it, it is. It's phenomenal. I've been, I've been playing it. Um, it. It's real Shang bait, though, because it just sits there on the board waiting for the Shang-Chi. Uh, like, please, Modoc, turn six. Um, but, okay. So we've got Mo- uh, Morbius. I always want to say Mobius yeah. now because Mobius is well. We've got Morbius, we got Meek, we got Collector. And then we just, so that's like six cards that benefit from being discarded. Three cards, sorry, six cards that want to be discarded, three cards that, and then you add three discard enablers and you just say thank you. Yeah, there are a couple other things in there that are just good stats. If you happen well, no, to not well, discard that, them, at that point you have to run things to discard. Yeah, well, you can right? you can also like play. So, so you're glaive, mm-hmm. modok, and then pick oh, a third. I see. Yeah, I'm talking like what, where do we fit in the hell cows? Like I want all that stuff. I mean, sure. Figure, like the stats on this earth are there. So what I think this is is the dawn of a new good stuff package. I think that there's probably a right four or five of these that just can go in a deck and be a good stuff package. I mean, Aaron, like once you get to five cards, is it really a package when it's almost <laughs> half the deck uh, in a 12 Zab- card okay, game? Okay, so so Darkhawk, Darkhawk, um, Black Widow, Rockslide, Korg, Zabu. That's a package. That's not a whole deck. You can do 17 other things with those other seven cards. And make it okay. a totally different deck. Yes, five cards is still a package in Marvel. Stuff. All right. I mean, I just like we the most known package in the game is exactly five. Cards. Okay, it can be four. You cannot run Widow, but yeah. you should run Widow. Widow's so great. Um, uh, I'm not interested in getting into in a convincing argument with you tonight about about that. So, any other thoughts about sort of these two discard cards? I really am excited to see where discard goes from this. I think it can fight with the the big dogs of destroy and um tribunal and black knight, these sort of meta staples that it has I think permanently fallen down behind since the since the winter and I'm really, really excited. So Yeah, it just seems really cool. Like we're actually gonna be able to play Apocalypse on turn six for Apocalypse. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. One thing that uh, the first Proxima Midnight was a four six before, right? Yep. And now it's a four seven. Yeah. That yeah. it's amazing, but we have to have clear that Proxima Midnight is an amazing card. Yes, I, I'm agree with that. But it has like she has many downsides that uh, she lose like many locations on her own. 
for example, Space Throne, etc., uh, etc. Et I don't know, maybe uh, Dead Domain. Dead well, Domain, no, because it's not playing. No, she just goes, yeah, she just pops yeah, into but Death Space Domain. Throne, all Space those... Throne is going to be loose for by Proxima. Just, just, spa- just Space Throne and Bar with no name. No, bar, no, bar with no name. Wait, but, does Bar with... Wait... Is that how that works at Bar With No Name? I think Wolverine could just land in Bar With No Name. Sorry, am I saying the wrong one? The one that um, if you uh, whoever has least yeah, power Yeah, it's Bar With No Name. That's Bar With No Name. Oh, it's Luke's Luke, Bar. Luke's bar. The think Luke's bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bar, bar With No Name and um, and Space Throne. Otherwise, she's fine. Yeah, she and, also uh, wins you certain yeah. locations, like the ones yeah, you can't play cards Yeah, she wins you Death Domain. Yeah. She yeah. wins you Sanctum Sanctorum. All these yeah, other Yeah, she has things. more upside than downsides. Oh my god. I lost earlier today um, a four Hubert because I didn't care because it was cool. They um, made a 20 power human torch in their sanctum location. And I had um, both Modoc and an 11 power freaking Meek in that location. So I was at 19 in this unplayable location <laughs> with my destroyed deck. I was like, no. That's pretty cool. Well, about yeah. about Corpus Glaive, maybe the thing that excites me the most is the fact that just... Proximoto won that. that uh, Paul said is the fact that uh, Corpus Glaive is going to incentivize like having new decks, not just like uh, throw like mm-hmm. Corpus Glaive on every single uh, basic discard core that we always know. You are, we yeah. are going to spice the, the discard uh, core a lot with having like that extra energy every single turn that's going to bring a lot of, of whole new opportunities for, for the deck. So we're going to do real quick before we move on to data mind cards. I'm going to ask our two guests here, buy one of this month's cards. Which one would you only, you only have the resources uh, to buy one card not for yet. this month. Not yet, not yet, that's not because we're not, I'm we're on, not your, on a whole month. Oh, we're not on a whole month yet. We're not on a whole month yet. There are two cards that were changed. We're not covering the whole month. We just are going to talk about quickly right. the changes to two cards. All right. Because we've got the I just March go cards. off your slideshow, man. I know. You make. I know. You make. All right. I, well, well, I have words to say between the slides. So there, is, there are two cards that were data mined for April. Sorry, for March earlier that were changed. The season pass card and the card that comes out with the season pass card were both changed. So we should let our listeners know that these two cards have changed before we talk about the April cards, which are all new, and then we can do whatever you're saying. So before we do that, let's talk about the two cards from March. Cool? Sure. Hope Summers is a 3-3. Series 5, 6K tokens will be our season pass for beautiful, balmy March. After you play a card here, plus one energy next turn. Bohe, what do you think of this slightly, but also significantly nerfed? Every, every single content creator that I know said that Hope Summer can like go out with plus two energy uh, and now it's not just like plus one and i don't know maybe plus one is probably not enough to make hop summers meta relevant but maybe this bring kitty pride again to the meta so i think kitty pride is probably the best friend of hop summers we could see but with a plus two even with the plus two, I think Hope Summer is going to be a good card, but not a broken one. But now we just like with plus one, I'm not pretty sure what we can do with this card. Beside Kitty Pride. Uh, I think she could be interesting in like a move deck. Things with uh, like Spider-Man and um, Jeff, stuff like that. So if Elsa ever gets uh, a buff, 
and Hope Summers could be pretty cool and something like that. Putting a you know putting a, a night crawler into a lane, getting your plus one energy and also getting some extra power, moving it out for the next card in line seems like a decent thing to do. But I don't know how strong that actually will end up being. Maybe the, the whole idea is to play this with with uh, Jean Grey at the same time, you know. So, but in this mm. case, this could, should be like maybe a two-two, you know, like Hop Summer on turn two, Jean Grey on turn three, and then whatever on turn four. But you are going to have a plus one energy to play a bigger thing on Jean Grey uh, lane, and then you are going mm. to have a plus one energy to play a bigger thing on the on turn five, for example. And then you have an extra energy on turn six while you're still like locking your opponent to play on the Jean Grey lane. But being like 3-3 just as Jean Grey made me this idea to feel like a little bit awkward. Yep. I'm with it. I agree. All right. So let's move on to Pixie. So Pixie is a series question, question, question mark. Two cost, one strength. On reveal, shuffle the costs of all your cards in your deck that started there. Gunny T, what do you think about Pixie? A card that we spent a lot of airtime arguing about when we did this last month. What she do you was think? a one three. She was a one three. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but isn't this still broken with Mobius? Yeah. Yeah. I mean real, big yeah. Time. that that's what I think about it. You fill your deck with a bunch of ones and low cost cards, and then you put a bunch of sixes in that want to be ones. And then all of your sixes are ones and all of your ones are still ones. And then maybe we found a home for black swan. Hey, there we could go. Be. Could be. Uh, yeah. I, I think in that package alone, I, I think that that's that the, the place where I think it would be best. Um, I don't know how good it would be otherwise probably not great obviously that means you need to draw pixie and use pixie um and how good that deck looks i don't know but mobius makes it pretty darn bonkers yeah people love mm. negative and negative is cost more than this two is still pretty easy to squeeze into turns so it'll be i think pixie decks will be a thing just like we thought of when she was a one cost card all right, so let's talk about an abortive tie-in series of cards that are coming out in April when the fourth Captain America movie was originally supposed to come out, but it no longer is. So we will start with Baron Zemo, the Dance Party King, for those fans of Falcon and the Winter Soldier over there. All right, Baron Zemo is a four-cost, six-strength, series five, Season pass for April. On reveal, add the lowest cost card from your opponent's deck here on your side. Oh, hey, what do you think of that card? Surely Baron Simo is going to have some times when he didn't bring something relevant. But in my mind, if Maximus is now a really good card, I know this costs one more and have two less power, but... If Maximus is a good card, nor Maximus, uh, Gladiator is a good card, Barosimo have the potential to be just a good card, like in a sense, like a card that could be in almost any deck in my mind, because it's going to... I, I don't like the idea to uh, team your opponent's deck, you know? 
But in the way that Baron Simo does, that gives you some advantage, in the same way that Gladiator does, that gives you some information. Maybe, for example, if you uh, pull one really important card, your opponent is like almost forced to retreat. And maybe, I don't know, playing against uh, a green Trox deck with Hulk and Scar and whatever, probably you are going to pull something good. So I think Baron Simo have the potential to be a really good card. Honey? I think the card's kind of awful. Yeah, me too. Um, main reason being, like, what what is the purpose of low-cost cards in your deck? They enable the big-cost cards in your deck. Like, you, you're paying the low-cost cards so you can power up or do something with them for your bigger cards. Uh, and unless your deck is built around that, then I, I you know, you're just going to get random effects. Like, what happens if you pull a zero? The next card you pull, you want to use that, and you don't want it to be zeroed. Um, maybe you're pulling a Korg, like, okay, that but at that point, you're you're paying four energy to get a a four eight. Like it just seems okay, uh, and I don't necessarily want a one two on my side of the board. I want to fill those locations with better cards. Um, so well, it's, it's almost drew, like it's almost like drew a bad, the Korg. I mean, it's almost like a bad Jubilee. I don't know. In my mind, there is. I mean, obviously, Jubilee uh, Jubilee has five less power than this. but yeah. I don't know. But I don't know. Probably many decks now are greedier than before. You know, I, I've been playing a lot of Logjo list that doesn't have anything right. below three beside the Wasp. So in that kind of deck with almost every card is three or more energy, probably Baron Sim is going to be good, but yes, probably it's going to be like meta-dependent or something like that. I mean, maybe the answer is meta-dependent. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, the, Super hyper. The prob- I mean, I don't like relying on cards to be good if they do a thing properly uh the one one excuse i would say is is gladiator gladiator is just too good to not do that mm-hmm. but you know when baron morda pulls something bad then you're forced to retreat i'd rather just like play a better four drop four drops are like four drops are so good in this game that like the baseline four drop that you have to play is like a 410 mm-hmm. and i and maybe this gets there but i, I don't i don't know how often and i don't know if i want the effect coming from it so I think Gladiator is where my mind went as a comparison also. What makes Gladiator good is that he's three more power than the next relevant cost in his cost slot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Next, sorry, relevant power in his cost slot, right? The next relevant power is Polaris or Spider-Man. You can get a 4-6 or a 4-7, but they require ridiculous hoops and make your deck worse. Gladiator may make your deck worse, but most of the time he's just good stats. Yeah, even uh, even with Sword Master, for example, even if Sword Master was a three seven, I probably mm-hmm. don't play the card either. But right. being a three eight, maybe I start right. considering it. Yeah. Right, that pushes it into play. But at a three mm-hmm. six, its downside is humongous, mm-hmm. and you can't do it. So that's why you play Gladiator. I consider this fairly similar to Gladiator, and it doesn't have the stat. Up. It doesn't have the stats. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not doing something better than the other fours to the point where I'm probably putting it in a deck. And we could be wrong, right? Loki showed us that stealing opponent's shit can be incredibly powerful. I don't know, I probably... But, uh, you know what's going to be mm-hmm. fun? Sometimes you're going to steal, like, a Mr. Negative. <laughs> right? Yeah, like, for sure. Just... just like the peak, you know, and then you're going yeah. to have to retreat. But in my mind, I'm going to steal, like, trying to make a deck like a mill deck for the first time i tried that like it could be a mill i tried that like super hard when gladiator comes out so i don't know maybe i tried that a lot it works for some time 
that maybe Baron Simo was or is now the missing piece, you know, like John Duke, Cable, and now uh, Gladiator, Baron Simo, Dr. Octopus on five to make your opponent doesn't have hand and doesn't have a deck. So. so my working theory for this has always been that the mill cards want to be low cost so you can reuse them, hmm. not high cost. Hmm. Because by turn four, right, like, you better mill them out by turn five. If you stop their turn six draw, that's nice, but that's negative one. Mm. I can just play a rock and do that. Mm -hmm. Or a Widow's Bite, and I've done the exact same thing with, like, one-tenth of the world. Yeah, it could be. All right. All right. Red Hulk. Red Hulk is a 6-10. We don't know what series he will be. When your opponent ends a turn with unspent energy, plus four power. If in hand or play. Oh, hey, what do you think about this? I think this could be a good card that probably is going to be changed before release. Maybe it's not super incredible strong, but just two turns when your opponent doesn't play like Encore, this is going to be 618. That is like big and that Orca. So that makes Red Hulk a good card. So maybe it's a little bit overstated with, with maybe, I don't know, six, nine could be good. Or maybe it could be plus three because just two turns of like... I, I know the solution. Hmm. Make it a high evolutionary card. It could be. Yeah, it could be. But in that case, you play both Hulks. Yeah, and you're, ch- you're chucking infinite, right? Like you're saying, all right, I'll do it this way. So, and it, then it's still really strong, but it's no longer busted. Yeah, I heard that today. Like, I'm going to play both Hulks, and if mm-hmm. one gets bigger, even if that doesn't happen, the other gets bigger. But don't you think that mm-hmm. maybe could bring us back to the high evolutionary Evologio meta game? Sure. That was never an unbeatable deck. It got nerfed because people didn't like playing against it. It wasn't ever the best deck in the game. But it was like uh, um, uh, Evo Logio against an Evo Logio, and that for no. like hours and it hours. Bounce, bounce was better than it always. Yeah, for sure. But most of the people play High Evolutionary because it was easier. So sure, sure, sure. So I'll just I'll farm it. It's mm-hmm. fine. Okay. I mean, we also didn't have Kyra back then, so maybe Kyra <laughs> changes our math a little uh-huh, bit uh-huh. here because we used to shang it. You used to be like, all right, so you piled all that in one lane. Thank you, Shang Chi. Next. Um, so maybe Kaira changes our math here mm-hmm. in ways I'm not sure of. But either way, it needs to be a high evolutionary card, I think, mm-hmm. if they're going to release it like this. Otherwise, just nerf it to plus three and we should mm-hmm. be fine. I think this card's bad. Mm. So, and here's why. Mm. Um, whenever your opponent is not playing on curve and they're missing multiple energies spent, you're probably winning anyways. Like they're behind curve and they're, they're not doing anything unless you're obviously playing against another high evolutionary deck. But if they're not playing on curve and, and missing energy drops or not utilizing all of their energy, you're probably already ahead. So at that point in time, you're just winning more. I don't want to win more. I want cards that are reliably, reliably good. Um, and this card just seems like it, it takes advantage of when your opponent's already doing poorly. I think I, I think that Twice depends. Twice a game, people miss an energy. I, that depends because there's a for example it's a magic player's opinion. <laughs> for example, is is something like uh, mm, I don't know. Maybe we can talk about uh, ongoing tribunal. Mm. I can like do nothing on turn one, 
and nothing on turn two, probably even nothing on turn three, and then play magic, and I can mm-hmm. still win the game hard. So I mean, you're playing a Zabu Darkhawk deck, and you don't see Rock Slide. So turn two, you play Zabu. Turn three, you play Rock Slide. Turn four, you play um Ms. Marvel. Now you've missed turn one and turn and one energy on turn four. Right? Yep. I mean that's if you draw Red Hulk in your opening hand. Sure. Uh, look, a, a six fourteen is still what cards give you six fourteen with no downside? You're I mean you're right. I just I think right, this like, is un this is unreliably the, the biggest status that you think it is. And I don't want an unreliable static card in my deck. I, I don't think it's ever really less than 614 unless I top deck it on the last turn of the game. I okay. am closer to Gunny here. I think that the question is, is the wor- juice worth the squeeze? Like The upside is clearly obvious, particularly in the high evolutionary shells and other things is sort of like putting your opponent in a squeeze. But I think that there's enough good top end or other mid end cards that probably you don't want this, but... I could be wrong. It just seems to me to be not a spectacularly awesome card, but one that definitely will make some great highlight reels. And the, All right. Oh, go ahead. Let's keep no, going. I was just going to say that this oh. could bring like some interesting situations when maybe you play Logjo on Tree and Wasp, and then you have Red mm-hmm. Hulk on, on, at the end of turn three, and then you're basically making your opponent have to spend all the energy or he already knows or she already knows that the lane is lost. That's fair. All right, let's talk about U.S. Agent. All right, the former Captain America gives you two cost for six strength. Uh-oh, something has to have a drawback. For this unknown series card, the drawback is ongoing. Minus one power for each of your other cards here. All right, Gunny, what do you think of Captain America at home. So this one's hard to uh, evaluate for me. So the floor of it is is a 2-3, right? So if you put three other cards here, then it, it drops it by three, making it a 2-3. Um, the ceiling is obviously a 2-6, but it's very difficult to win a lane with one card. Um, this could maybe find some kind of home with something like um, Sauron removing that negative effect from it mm-hmm. uh, an enchantress type thing where you're using enchantress to take off this ability and like lizard's ability so certainly fine. i mean anytime you see low energy and high uh, power somebody's going to try to break it so if if it can find a home like that where you can get rid of its negative um the, the, the downside of it then i think it'll be a good card um but i don't know if that exists yeah it exists it's sure it's cool. sure that deck runs Lizard. Why would you run Lizard and not this? Yeah, I mean, you're, yeah. yeah. And it, does, it already doesn't run a whole lot of cards either, so cool. making it a 2-5 whenever you put the Taskmaster there isn't a bad thing either. Look, a 2-4 uh, is a lot of decks, right? Also, priority decks. Anything wanting to get priority early? This, mm-hmm. this will certainly help with that. Talking about Super Giant earlier. It's a good card. It's a very good card. Okay. This, Any thoughts? This card is amazing. Amazing. Mm-hmm. As a Sauron enjoyer, this card is gas. Oh no, we got another enjoyer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in fact, I enjoy more play, playing some things like Master Mold or Hazmat, but let, let's make this aside because a lot of people say that 
things in my stream when I said that I like Master Mold, but uh, USAA and this is an amazing card. Sauron is an amazing card, uh, and Shuri Sauron is an amazing deck. It's like playing the game on easy mode, and USA Agent is like basically a better lizard, one lizard before the nerf. So it, mm-hmm. other, other good thing is if this comes out just like this, Lizard is probably going to see a buff. That is also going to be a good thing for Sauron. So basically this card is really good with zero, with Sauron. This is basically just... I didn't even think about zero, yeah. This is basically just one less power than Ebonimo. That is an amazing card with Sauron. In fact, mm-hmm. the problem of the deck isn't Sauron, it's Ebonimo. So I think this is close to that and i don't know maybe this is going to be a core card for that deck and that deck is really good so an amazing card two six good numbers big numbers go mm-hmm. good good card it's downside is a two three it's not like it's a downside is a two negative one right yeah it's fair powerful powerful card i would say all right we've got speaking of uh other more famous heroes at home we have white widow Two no two. Uh, we've got no known series, but an on reveal and an ongoing. Add no ongoing is ongoing is for the widow's kiss. Oh, for the widow's kiss. Excuse me. Her on reveal is add minus one power widow's kiss to your opponent's side. Here, the widow's kiss ongoing is your other cards here have one minus one power. So this is a take on the Black Widow family. Of course, this is, uh, you know, the sister of Black Widow in the MCU. So, Bohey. Florence Pugh. Yes, Florence Pugh's character in the comics who's... Anyway, I won't explain. But anyway, Bohey, what do you think? I I, I don't know. Maybe a lot of people know that my favorite archetype is Junk. I, I love to play that deck. And... This card is amazing on that deck. So I'm really excited to test that this card. Uh, you can play a lot of uh, good uh, cards on that deck, but especially the two energy cost uh, is like uh, something that most of the time you don't have like an amazing thing to do on that deck. So now with this and uh, Cannonball that is going to be out on March, the deck is going to reach a new ceiling. So I think Wild Widow is going to be amazing on that deck and Junk is going to be again on the map. Gunny? I think we're all going to end up hating this card. So yep. the the floor of this is a 2-3, and the ceiling of it is what, a 2-6 again? Uh, negative 3, negative 4, negative 5, negative 6. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's that's pretty good. Imagine having like a, a goblin in hand, Celine ter- uh, turn one, turn Ooh. two into a widow. You're and missing then, its best partner. Yep, turn three, throwing that goblin over there. Like, they're just going to avoid that lane. You've already got it. Have you met our friend Beast? <laughs> okay. There's cases for everything. No, no, I think... you just, no, you Beast this. Oh, and yeah. I okay. can now, yeah. Ew. If I do this twice on a lane. Stop that. Like, negative two to all your cards there and i filled up two locations with negative one one of and they're another, each gonna, an, sorry negative two on both of those they're each going to give each and one of the best another yeah. cool thing sorry sorry another cool thing about this is it's an honor reveal add that to your opponent's side of the board it's not even having the goblin effect that it can get stuffed on your side of the board uh-huh. and then grandmaster oh, it's, it, 
and then you grandmaster to put it in another location and then Uh. after and then you um oh no no you absorb your man then you grandmaster wow disgusting I love it. Boy so, over here is getting it. I love you guys it. can't see him, but I, I'm looking at his camera right now, and he, and he has an, a, a smile from ear to ear. He's already it's... thinking about the decks he's going to make yeah, for this sure, in a few for sure. days he's going to ruin. They, they can't release this card, right? Like, the, like what, oh, what we're saying is this card cannot be released. We, Good. we, we, know, we know that one of the strongest uh, Infinity Stone on Thanos is the Soul Stone, right? Yeah. And I this mean, is basically look. the effect of a Soul Stone plus a 2-2. Two, two. Black Widow was worse than this, and they had to make it a three. Yeah. Uh-huh. Agree. <laughs> like this card is completely stupid. There's no chance this card is printed. This is so freaking. But strong. I don't know. Uh, the developers said that uh, they bring Viper uh, to three cost just to uh, leap space, design space to make new two energy cost cards for John. And also for mm-hmm. avoiding the, the combo with Havoc, something that I'm, I'm sad about it. But I don't know, maybe this is one of that cards. That's fair. Um, um, they're not printing this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I maybe he's a three, three. imagine Glazer will be eating his words in the future. Uh, if they print this with this stat line and these numbers, I'll buy both of all three of you a season pass let's go i, I mean i i would can imagine seeing her becoming a 2-1 uh sure a 2-1 or a 3-3 three, three. i could see i cannot see her releasing as a 2-2 two, two with this widow's kiss with these stats that's fair i i think they'll start with her at a 2-1 and then she'll eventually like all two cost cards that get are overpowered become a three <laughs> a three cost card just imagine, um, this is basically com- uh, like it, this transforms the location to how is it called in English? Alcantarillas, sewer, something? Sewer. Uh, oh, sewer. The sewer oh, one-sided sewer system. And, and it's a sewer system just for your opponent plus clogging yeah. one slot of the lane. Okay. For two energy. Yeah, no. <laughs> it's, there's no, there's just, there's like are, are they unprinting beast <laughs> absorbing man and grandmaster then we'll talk right yeah for we'll sure. see we'll see all right oh my god you play this on a fucking titania well luke h exists but uh-huh well, sure you're gonna get your titania back they can drop luke cage like uh. all right let's talk about julia lewis trifris so we have Valentina. Oh, is that who this is? I was struggling to figure out who the hell this it's is. Valentina, yes. These are literally all of the announced characters of the new Captain America movie that was supposed to come out this year. Hmm. All right. I so, didn't realize there was one. Yes, it got delayed, though. All right. So Series 5, uh, maybe. Maybe Series 4. Uh, we don't know. On reveal, add a random six-cost card to your hand. It gets minus two power and minus two cost. All for a 2-2. Two, two. Uh, Boe, what do you think? As a player that most of the time gets a really bad card from the raft, I don't have any trust on Valentina. But <laughs> it could have a really good draws, you know, but it could have a really bad ones. So I don't know, maybe just a fun card to play with, uh, some RNG, etc. But probably this is going to be the series for Carlemont. Wait, you don't know where this is going? 
I, this card is bonkers. Where, where are you playing it? What deck are you playing in? Because it's got a ready-made deck. Random six cost card to your hand gets menace. menace. That costs four. Like, yeah, it costs four. Like you're, so you get a, a a ten power four cost Magneto. Yeah, you get like there's just there's I mean, just so many look, good. Even hits a fourteen with this. power destroyer for four isn't terrible. Yeah, and then what happens if you can just if it's really bad and you could just transform it into something else? Loki it away. Yeah, it's a Loki card. This goes in every Loki deck. It's it's better Mirage. Yeah, yeah, I'm better than Mirage for sure. And, and really, as a 2-2, it's not like it's the worst thing in the world. Uh, like, Woody, okay, so I'm pulling up sixes. You guys continue talking. I mean, look. This is our w- last card. Without Glazer uh, going off, it is not the last card, by the going way. Going off. Um, <laughs> it's not? About six cost cards. Um, oh, shit. At this point, the six cost cards are all decent, right? I think the what, worst hit is uh, Infinite. Which requires you to sort of like think about turns. I mean, you 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 skip turn three. You play it and then you skip turn <laughs> yeah. three and play eighteen power on. No, turn I, four. I know, I know. I'm saying like that means you're taking turn three off. That is a significant drawback. Most of the other six cost cards, Blob might be another one, but like they're all like good. And playing them on turn four for minus two strength is great. Like this is a very very powerful card. Besides the Loki synergy, I think but you don't you don't want Zola. You you generally I mean, don't you, want Null. You can do things with Zola. Yeah, you I generally mean, don't Hela, want Null. Hella is probably the one the one I wouldn't want the most because you get a uh, four four that Galactus. doesn't necessarily do anything. Seems like you. it's probably bad. Hey, you never know. Clutch Galactus. Uh, like there's for example, like, you can like get you can get things. Null and oh like not being yeah. like playing destroy. Yeah, but then you just don't play. It. So you can get a. Uh, Four five onslaught. You can get Galactus. Like a four three Galactus. Yeah, Galactus. <laughs> so like anything with stats is decent, right? Like Infinite Destroyer. Four Giganto. six Ultron. Uh, you, you they will lock Agatha out of this. They always do for these things. Uh, I would take a four six Ultron. You might not play it, but on the last turn of the game, you might just be like, well, yeah. I'll just fill up my spots with no, ones." Uh, Agatha would be four, great. Ten with Hulk. This. A uh, four nine scar orca is fine. Thanos is four, fine. Four six living tribunal. She Hulk. She Hulk is awesome. Uh, oh, four man. six Shock. living tribunal is not terrible, right? It's not like there's games that wins. You've got like a sanctum or a death mm-hmm. domain or whatever. Like there's just like a Heimdall is like as a surprise as a four as a four six. Cool, thanks. Like you don't. There's no rule that says you have to play that card. Apocalypse is real bad. There's no rule that says you have to play this card on four either. Mm-hmm. Right? Apocalypse is what a four four. Yeah, four six. Four six. I mean, it's a look, four six isn't terrible if you're missing curve. I forget. Right? Do these cards uh, synergize with Zabu? No. So yeah, it has to be printed for Zabu is printed. Yeah. Okay. Always. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. There is another card for us to talk about. It is Red Guardian again. It is the. Sorry, I lost my tab. There you go. Uh, all right. Red Guardian is a three cost four strength unknown. Uh, series on reveal remove the text of the lowest power enemy card here gunny what do you think of russian captain america i'm not interested in playing it yep. i don't think there's enough hits that i know that my opponent is going to have that i mean this this does great for wong this does great for zabu 
Um, but there's other, I, I, there's, I would just rather play better tech pieces, right? I'd rather just play a rogue or, I don't know, something like that. I mean, it's obvious this hits Morbius, that, that earlier Mor- Morbius, right? Hits Dracula. So there's obviously some some use cases for it, but I don't know if there's enough. And a three four is just is just not making me happy. I think it's a it necessary to. card to exist if they're going to print powerful static abilities that aren't ongoings. Sure. Um, so it's just a card I think that has to exist for cards like Dracula, right? That are kind of ongoings but also are not ongoings i mean that's a great point this is a uh, a catch for those cards that we right now can't touch yeah this can take out many anchors that try to win the lane single-handedly you know like mm-hmm. by dracula or maybe i don't know every other single card more views whatever that try to win the lane alone and i think it could be a good tool Mm, silver surfer decks so what we're talking about is shadow king when he was four three and everyone's like yeah that definitely has its uses but you're not going to do it at this cost with this power Mm. so like it's not that it's a bad card i think it's actually a really really good card i just think it either needs that fifth power or to be a two two if it either has five power or cost two it's phenomenal but as a three four i think it just doesn't quite get there I could definitely see this card getting released, see where they are, where it lands, and then they adjust it. Because, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. yeah. like, I think it, that's actually probably a worthwhile experiment in a live game with a powerful tech card. Is sort of release it middle of the road, safest design possible, and then tweak it. You know, tweak it when it's live. We'll fix it when it's live. Uh, well, Black Swan is in the number one deck right now. There we go. All right. I just got it DM'd to me. It's nice to know the whole top of the ladder, right? All Black Swan, all the Black Swan hate earlier in our Black Swan segment was Sound and Fury signifying nothing, like so it's, many things on this show. Now, let's bring it's us not, it's the deck to our last segment, which is, of course, Variant of the Week. We have a new Variant of the Week, first time ever, which is where all people picked the same variant whoa nice all of us picked the same omega red dan hip variant as the variant of the week uh so congratulations gentlemen for being on a snap judgments first uh i don't think we've done this even when it was jess glazer chris and i doing this when we were nobodies uh this is a very impressive this is the highlight of the week for me is that this (laughs) happened So, it's a great looking variant. It's the best. It's the best. It's the best, it's the best Omega Red variant. And Omega Red is one of the best cards. And everyone loves Dan mm-hmm. Hip. Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, no offense, Dan Hip, who I do love, but like most of the Omega Red variants suck. So they I actually are like a awful. few of them. They're fine. Um, the the Claretti one, the Luca Claretti one, I like a lot. Yeah, it's, it it's is not fine. bad, but. Uh, <laughs> look, it's not this one. It's <laughs> not that. I mean, look, it's. But again, this Dan Hip, I would love to have. And now that Omega Red is a playable card, I hope I might have it in my collection somewhere. I haven't looked at what Omega Red variants I have in a long time. Anyway, this brings us right into the last little bit of this episode where we allow our guests to tell us 
If you, our loyal listeners, were interested in them and learning more about them and the content they create, where you can find them and what you would find if you were there, we will start with our friend Gunny. Gunny, tell our loyal listeners and loyal viewers what would they find if they tuned in to your YouTube Thank you. I really appreciate that. So if you want to find the cutting edge meta deck played to the top ability uh, week after week, do not come and watch my show. <laughs> oh, Lambie. We're talking about Lambie. That's good. I'm just kidding. Uh, I mean, I'm not. That's not what I do. Um, so my, my show snap tactics, uh, comes from my, you know, I'm a military guy, uh, active duty military. Um, so I tactically thinking, right? So what I like to do is I record a couple games, uh, and I just talk about my gameplay. I, I go over some of the rules that you've seen on Glazer's show, um, some of my tips and I break them down the, the, the game that way that the focus isn't on the deck. It's on the decisions that are being made during play. Uh, my goal there is to help anybody who who's trying to reach a goal, be it to get to rank 90 so they can get that, that free 500 gold, get to infinity, wherever it is that they want to get to. I want to help them get there. My last episode, we talked about uh, ladder anxiety. There was a really great episode put on by KM and Brendan on Snapshot, and they had Khan on there, and he talked about uh, ladder anxiety. And I just thought, man, that, that happens to me. I have an Apple Watch on. And my, my heart rate will go up and my watch will tell on me uh, sometimes whenever I'm playing a game for like eight cubes or something. Um, and if it happens to the top player in the world, it's got to be happening to everybody. So we just kind of talked about ladder anxiety and I've had a really positive feedback from that. There was a lot of players that watched my video and just said that it was kind of refreshing watching um, something that wasn't just highlight reels. Like any deck can look good if you just play highlight reels. Uh, the first gameplay i showed in that episode was actually a really bad loss it was eight cube loss and i talked about how it happened i got tunnel vision on shutting down a destroy deck but then forgot that like i need to kind of win the game um and then i stuck around for no reason and i had no way to win so you know it happens to the best of us i i think we learn more from our mistakes um and there's a lot that can come from that so if you if you're having trouble or you just want to remind yourself of of how to to climb better then come check out Snap Tactics on YouTube. My turn. Uh, Gunny's going to help grow this game in a competitive sense. Like, a lot of people have a lot of niches, and a question I, I'm answering yesterday slash tomorrow, depending on when the hell you watch this, is what is the most important thing to being a content creator? And I think it's having a niche that's different from other people. And Gunny already has a niche immediately. It's competitive play. It's figuring out how to set a goal and reach it and taking actionable steps to getting there. And I don't know who in Marvel Snap can't use that from the very best players to the very newest players. It's incredibly useful content. It's not overwhelming where um, it's broken down in very simple, easy steps with clear gameplay and examples. It's like tier one level teaching. It's phenomenal. It's going to be huge. You should get it on the ground floor. And then you get to hipster everyone else when they find it. Very kind words. Thank you, Glazer. Yeah, that's the last time I'm going to be nice to you for the next few days, though. So there. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Same toxic masculinity you've come to respect from Glazer. All right. Bohey, why Wait, don't what? you sell us on your content? If folks were to tune in to your Twitch what would they find? Why should our loyal listeners and loyal viewers become your 
loyal listeners and loyal viewers. Well, first of all, I want to say thank you to having me here. It's a pleasure to be in on my first English stream. So it's been an amazing experience. And well, you can find me as Boy Ibnida. I'm going to spell that. It's B O H E I N M N M M N I D A. Boy Ibnida. For the people that know Korean is I'm boy. <laughs> and well, you can find me basically every single day on Twitch playing Marvel Snap and from time to time other card games. Now I'm uh, doing content for other sites from the .gg family that it's the same network for Marvel oh, cool. Snapson. So now I'm doing a lot of deck guides for One Piece TCG and also our boss asked me for write again for Marvel not for Marvel, for Magic Arena Zone again. So now I'm all over the place writing every day, every single hour, but it's an amazing time. And well, I'm also on Twitter at Boy Ibnida. I share my decks, uh, my Marvel Snap decks right there. So basically you're going to find me on Twitter and on Twitch. But if you want to see... Um, little bites or pieces of my daily life, you can find me at Boy Ibnida on Instagram too. Oh, cool. Awesome. Awesome. All right. My turn. So I'm going to focus. I You're going to be on more than once. You're a Snap Zone person, which means that you get to basically be on whenever the hell you feel like staying up with us. Um, so we're going to focus on your Isn't writing this time. In an earlier time zone, if he's in Mexico. Yeah, he's a ha- he's an hour earlier. So into anytime he wants to stay up with us, he's well, yeah, right? Sure. Like he could have a, he could have a life, right? Like in two. I'm just saying <laughs> I, how the how time zones work is that we are further. Never mind. Go ahead, yeah, finish your point, Wizard. Look, I'll be making Marvel Snap content for another hour and a half before I go to bed, my friend. All right. Um, so I want to focus on his writing this time. We'll talk about his stream next time because I do hang out on his stream, and I always feel such a warm welcome. But. Um, his writing is so good that I had to stop doing deck guides. Like fundamentally, his deck guides are so good that like you shouldn't read other people's deck guides if he has one. If he does a deck guide, it's so thorough, it's brilliant. He does the best deck guides in the game. Period. Bar none. There is no one even close. Um, I would imagine that his One Piece deck guides are of similar quality. Although I watched a Netflix show about One Piece, and that is the extent of my knowledge for One Piece. Um, but the deck guides are completely freaking unbelievable. I read every single one, no matter what. They're top-notch content. I have zero free time in a day, as everyone at this point knows, and I still make it a point to read every single deck guide because they are the best. Go check it out. It's on Snapchat and probably a million other places. At, at the beginning, at the beginning is um, a little bit hard just to now how to accept uh, that kind of like amazing comments from people that I really respect a lot but my girlfriend that I send uh, greetings from here that in fact right now is like sleeping on the next room See, but <laughs> um, I'm I don't know she said a lot of time that you should you believe like in yourself. Many people mm-hmm. st- like have a high esteem of what you do on the content you make and on the on the things that you say and on the games that you play, etc. And I said that well, I know that I'm doing my best, but uh, beside that, you know, that think that anything that I say could be like extremely relevant. I don't know, like maybe meta impact relevant. You know, it's hard to believe, but. 
when you say like no one make better degas in the game, that that sure. like means that's globally. You know, that's a lot, and, but, and I don't know. Well, look, I don't I don't speak every well, language. There might be some like <laughs> South Korean <laughs> player doing better degas, but like in as far as in English that I'm capable of reading, I, I honest to God swear to you, I don't think there's anyone close. Um, I think and I think Den is brilliant. I think Den is a distant second. Thank you so much for your kind words. Like, Absolutely. Awesome. Awesome. Make sure you check out boys articles on Marvel snap zone, which we of course are the official podcasting partner of. We are also sponsored by our patrons and now comes to my favorite part of every episode where Glazer reads the patron patrons, the what tier patrons Glazer. This is the top tier of patrons. This is our $10 tier. This comes with on-air thanks and every single piece of video I do. So I've gotten pretty good at doing this, although I changed the order um, when I double-checked all the names, and now I messed myself up. So we've got Abigail Gieslin, Mandatory Burnout, Cables, DG Winfield, Direwolf, LAB, Fathor Newman, Good Dog Gamer, Inc., Jay Navarit, JD McDonaldino, Akila Platino, I gotta get rid of that extra K there, Caretix Lee, Koi Ray, Models, Louis Antunes, Matt Conduit, Matt H., Mike Meglintz, no flex, Ocularis, Pretty Chill, Seamus, Spike Jones, Two Ties, X Force V, and of course, the homie men. Wow, very well done, my friend. Mary, very, very lots of practice. Well <laughs> All right, this actually brings us to the end of another wonderful episode of All New Snap Judgments. I want to thank Bohe for joining us for this episode. A pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Gunny, thank you so much as well for joining us for this wonderful slog of an episode. It was a wonderful time. Awesome, awesome. Aaron, as always, I enjoy each and every week that we get to do here here as we make this show for our loyal listeners and loyal viewers. So thank you once again for joining me. Peace and love, everybody. All right, friends. That brings us actually, thankfully, to the end of another episode of <laughs> Snap Judgment. Please stay safe, make good choices, and keep on snapping.